Thank you. Okay. Let's do the pledge. I'd call this meeting to order. I think Drew should lead. That's what I thought. I thought Drew should start us off today. Thank you very much. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. It's, it's customary for us to recognize those people that have been helpful in our community and have passed away. Uh, colleagues, anybody? You know, we, we, we witnessed a, a major tragedy this past uh, week in, in Las Vegas, and it could happen anywhere. Uh, but one of, the, one of the positive things that happened, happened is people come together. As Americans, we find a way. And, and, and unfortunately, we do need to do it more than just when there's a tragedy or we are under attack. Uh, but my heart goes mm -hmm. out, and, and I hope that we pray for the families and all those who uh, were killed and, and hurt in this tragedy and, and, and come together even more now than ever before to ensure that we're building a stronger, better place for all of us. On a slightly lighter note, uh, but those who are fans, not a lighter note uh, at all, uh, we lost a, an icon in, in uh, rock and roll music. Uh, Tom Petty passed away from a uh, sudden heart attack and uh, heart failure. Um, just a, a Gainesville guy that uh, had a long career and uh, certainly will be uh, missed on the radio. Thanks, and we also want to recognize all the men and women serving our country um, here and abroad. Let's take a moment of silence. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Rich selected the music this morning. I haven't heard this song. I, I don't think. The first selection was You Have to Be Carefully Taught by South Pacific. It comes from South Pacific. It comes from the from the, the play, musical? the yeah, musical South Pacific. Okay. And the second selection was The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston. Thank you for that. And next time, maybe we can get some Tom Petty in there. Yeah. Um, Commissioner Bogan will be un unable to attend the meeting. The commission will call in if his schedule permits. And the mayor right now is at the port uh, welcoming the Royal Caribbean ship that has, I think, over 300 families coming in from Puerto Rico. 3,800 people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And 300 families, I think, as well. Something that, yeah, 3,800 and 300 families. Um, we do have a Broward Means business, but we're going to wait till the mayor gets back. Some public participation reminders. For those of you in the audience, please turn off your, your uh, or silence your cell phones. Any member of the audience who wishes to address the county commission on an item on today's agenda, please come forward and fill out a speaker form located on the dais and furnish it to staff. Once an item is called, no further speaker signups will be allowed and you will not be permitted to speak. Individuals who are interested in speaking on any item on the agenda, please come forward and sign up to be heard if you have not already done so. Once the items come before the board, if you have not already signed up, you will not be permitted to speak. When you're called upon, you will have three minutes to speak. Please keep your comments to the subject being discussed. We ask that you address the commission in a polite manner and that you refrain from making impertinent or slanderous remarks or personal attacks. If you fail to do so, your microphone will be turned off 
and you will be escorted out by security or law enforcement. And we ask that those of you in the audience respect the views of those speaking today. As such, we do not allow any applause, cheering, booing, or catcalls during or after a speaker's comments. And with that, I'll read the Monday night, Tuesday morning memo. I request the following withdrawals and Scrivener error corrections and inclusion of additional information. Item number eight is being withdrawn due to not having received sig signature pages. The item, item will be resubmitted once received. Scrivener's errors, item number 31. Current fiscal impact cost summary currently reads, the fiscal impact will be approximately 3130000 over a five-year contract period. It should read, the fiscal impact will be approximately 3130000 over a five-year contract period. 1252000 will be budgeted in the E911 fund and 1878000 in the general fund. Item 32. Motion E currently reads, Convention Center Expansion and Headquarters Hotel projects in substantially the form attached as Exhibit 4. It should read, Convention Center Expansion and Headquarters Hotel projects and 100% design and construction documents for the three enabling projects in substantially the form attached as Exhibit 4. May I request item 29, 30, 31, 35, and 36 be moved from regular to consent, and additional item is addition is 1A for board opponent appointment. And with that, I'm going to ask for polls, starting with Commissioner Udine. Uh, agenda item number 12, please. Okay. Commissioner Rich. Uh, agenda items 5 and 6 for an abstention. Okay. Commissioner Bogan's not here. Ryan. Item 22. Okay. Commissioner Marker. Item number 14 for a related comment. Okay. Commissioner Holness. No. Commissioner Geller. No. Administrator. No. Okay. Otter. No. Okay. And the public is pulling 7, 8, 15, and 19. So that leaves. Not much. <laughs> uh, can I have a motion to approve all of those consent items? Ex okay. As amended. As amended. Okay. All those in favor? Aye. Okay. Any opposed? That passes unanimously. Okay. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start with uh, Commissioner Rich on five and six. Okay. Thank you, um, Mr. Attorney. Uh, <laughs> uh, may I put the two together or do them separately? Uh, together is fine with me, Senator. Thank you. Okay. okay. It's the same extension for five and six. I'm on the board of directors of the Area-Wide Council on Aging of Broward County. I do not receive any compensation serving on that board and I therefore have no actual statutory voting conflict however to avoid the appearance of a conflict I am abstaining on item number five and item number six okay do I have a, okay, I have a, I have a motion and a second all those in favor Aye. item proven unanimously and with the exception of one exemption uh, from Mayor Rich so eight we got one two six six to one 
Six with one of us getting one. Right. Okay, and Mr. Rand, would you like to speak on number seven? Vice Mayor? Yes. Sorry, that mo the motion was actually on five and six, just to confirm? Correct. Yes, thank you. Mr. Rand, will you go ahead and speak on seven and seven, please? Nice hat. Tinfoil hat, Todd Rangan. I won't back down. I won't back down. My Haitian coworker, that was his favorite song. I won't back down. Um, yeah, I'm dressed a little different today because it's the end of the summer of love and 50 years ago today and all. And Paul would have wore the coat except for the police reports he got on me and all. Um, I'm very saddened by what happened and again I'm traumatized because I was in Orlando at the Pulse area last year so again I wake up to trauma. And with what I've been going through for seven weeks with the hurricanes, uh, it's, it's really hard, uh, and I find myself <laughs> falling apart sometimes. The uh, humanity, the loss of life, in, is astounding. And um, Russell, let's let's deal with number seven. And today's my 43-year anniversary, and I'll be there tonight with Hillary. Uh, number seven. Is a long-term project, uh, a lot of money, wow. $29 million and $3 million expenses, et cetera. And I don't know if, I guess John Fogelson's here somewhere. Uh, I wanna congratulate him. He was a young man when he was hired in my agency. And um, this is a vast project and just about every other um, mitigation project involving um, mangroves has not been successful because it lacked proper water, nourishment, etc., And I'm sure they put a lot of time and effort into this over a lot of, a lot of years and um, um, a lot of money, obviously, too. And um, I just want to wish them success that it works out well. And uh, it just goes to show if you need to move a lot of mangroves or destroy Mother Nature to um, enhance the port, and uh, the cash flow, that the cash flow is the most important thing. The environment always takes a back seat and that's what's gone on for the entire history of the state of Florida and this place in particular. Um, I'll yield my remaining time. Thank you very much. Appreciate Thank you, John Pogos. I'm sure they'll appreciate your well wishes. Do I have a motion to approve number seven? Second. I have a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? That passes unanimously. Mr. Rand, number eight again. But Vice Mayor? Yes. Eight has been withdrawn. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you. But I think you, you okay. comment if it's withdrawn. No, no. Sorry, it's been withdrawn. Um, Commissioner Ryan, number 12. Um, that's Commissioner Dean. Oh, Commissioner Dean. Sorry about that. Um, I, I normally don't have too much of a problem with these type of issues, but on this one, I'm going to be voting no on this issue. Um, this is uh, a confidential subsidy, and as I, as I review this, I have a tough time 
with the fact that the company that's asking for a subsidy's entire business and marketing plan is predicated on the fact that one person doesn't subsidize another person when they use their product. So I find it ironic and somewhat hypocritical, so I'm going to be voting no on this one. Okay. Any other comments? Commissioner Holness. And, and I do understand that, but we do this for other companies also. Uh, so from that perspective, for me, if, if we're going to do one, we ought to do all or none. Um, but I, I want to commend our staff on the, uh, and the alliance for your efforts to ensure that when we're given these subsidies to these major corporate entities, that we're seeking to ensure that our small businesses or county certified businesses are at the table with opportunities. I, I know that what we're doing now is merely to supply information, but I'm hoping at some point in time we get to where we're doing more than just that, that we're really holding these folks' feet to the fire to ensure that the diversity of Broad County that all of Broward County benefit from this and that we're not just bringing in folks from elsewhere, paying them high wages and subsidizing these com companies that are doing it. That we are working to make sure that every bit of Broward County is participating in these opportunities. Commissioner Marco. Just uh, okay. for the sake of detail and for pointing out and to identify uh, the process, this is, uh, this is a company that is here. It's a headquartered company that's here. Um, and Broward County, uh, June or July it was, but uh, we led the entire country in economic, economic growth, job creation, economic growth. And a lot of that has to do with the interaction of the public and, and private sector uh, with the Alliance and Enterprise Florida. This, this particular company had opportunities to go to three different places in Texas, which um, you know, it's the largest state in the country, or uh, certainly larger than us uh, in, in uh, population, and they have quite a few uh, similar companies there. Um, I don't know if this was identified in the, in the agenda item, but uh, a very large company. We'd like to keep it here, and I'm going to support it because of that uh, and my confidence in how the, uh, how the incentives are done. Okay. Commissioner Rich. Yes, um, I'm also going to support this. Um, I have a history of not supporting uh, some of these on the state level um, because I served on the Legislative Budget Commission, and um, as many people probably are aware, the accountability for many of those projects was not there. And um, money was given, and jobs were not created, and then money was not returned to the state. And what I found uh, with, with um, our... Uh, projects is that there is a great deal of accountability and that money is not given um, until we know that the jobs have been created. So um, with that, I will support. Okay. Commissioner Geller. Um, thank you, Mr. Chair. I also will be supporting this and just wanted to point out one reason that I am. I've had a lot of problems where we are bringing in jobs and that are not what I consider to be high-paid jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, this, I noticed that the new job average annual wage is $71,789. If we were talking about jobs that were going to be bringing in thirty or forty or 50000 I would have a different view because 
you know, I'm concerned that a lot of the jobs that we bring in are not really what I would consider high-paid jobs. I, I know that in that 71,000, some will be higher, some will be lower, but I'm okay with the average. Uh, if I something comes in front of me that has uh, incentives where I don't think that we're creating highly paid jobs, but merely more service worker jobs, I would feel differently on that. But in this one, uh, I'm okay at 71,000, plus the fact that the county's only paying 10% of the total incentive package. Right, and, and sometimes I think, I know we're, we are always trying to bring in new companies, but sometimes you wanna make sure you keep the ones you got. You don't know what you, you, don't know what you got until it's gone. So we're gonna keep these guys. Um, do I have a motion to approve? Do I have a second? Okay, all those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Uh, I oppose. Okay. Six to one? No. One, two, three. Six to one. Okay. It's like, what an odd number today. Okay, thank you. That passes six to one. Um, Commissioner Lamarco, item number 14. I just wanted to uh, speak briefly on this item. I have something I'm going to bring up, but not agenda regarding our animal care, but uh, this, this is great. Uh, we just went through clearly compared to the rest of the uh, nation, uh, the other states and territories that have been impacted by these last string of two or three hurricanes, uh, we, we certainly fared a lot better than anyone else. But uh, a lot of times when you, when you prepare for a storm and uh, you think about important documents, you think about your children, you think about a lot of things, and a lot of times our pets are, are uh, not the first thing on some people's minds, but I want to thank uh, uh, PetSmart Charities for, for this. This is uh, for shelter pets impacted by natural disasters and community, community and shelter pets impacted by natural disasters. So really important that we that we do that and uh, uh, very happy to support the item, so I'll make a motion to approve it. Okay, do I have a second? Second. I have a public request on this. Uh, Mr. Rand, do you want to speak on this? You, I, oh, I, 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 are you, no, you're not on there. I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Yeah, enough. Okay, all those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? That passes unanimously. <laughs> okay. Item number 15. Did you want to speak on that, Mr. Ann? Yeah, the pets, too, are always an issue. Um, I pulled this just because we were talking about um, trees and, and the budget and um, here and also uh, trees and power lines. So this is an ongoing problem, and uh, the right tree in the right place is what my former agency, whatever, used to try, try to do. So, um, And it kind of relates to the budget where governments become like a ficus tree. And then it falls into your power lines, and that's the end of your power. But if you go to the Murakami Museum and they bonsai and feng shui and trim everything down, that's the way it should be. So I'm just wondering if these trees being given away, I assume, are the, the right size tree in the right place and will come with right instructions on how to plant them far enough back from uh, power lines and all. And again, you know, my neighbors, for example, the trees are just ornamental and they all fell over in the, in the storm. So I helped him, and he's a Jewish rabbi, uh, Hasidic, so he didn't want to use tools, and he had a handsaw, I swear. So I told his helper, we'll plug it in the reciprocating saw into my generator. So we worked for six hours just to get the trees off and the fence back and all. So then I told the rabbi, just tap into my 
thing, and he went without power for eight days, though, and slept on the roof uh, until he got rained on. But um, planting the right trees, giving the right trees away, because when you go to Home Depot, these things, you know, they start like this, and then 20 years from now, they're 40 feet tall and uh, really impact everybody everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioners, can I have a motion on item 15? All those in favor, signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Let the record show item 15 passes unanimously. We're now on item number 19. Mr. Rand, could you please return to the podium? Um, these are for vouchers to uh, attend the Panthers game, I think, for mm -hmm. exe exemplary serving, Good. serving Hurricane Irma. So I hope I'm eligible for a voucher in, <laughs> because I've been busting my butt for six weeks and all and helping everybody and donating things away and all. And I even got on the Weather Underground a guy to donate 12 generators. It's pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, commissioners. All those in favor of item 19, signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Let the record show 19 passes unanimously. The next item pulled from consent agenda is item number 22 by Commissioner Ryan. Commissioner Ryan. Item 22 is <clears throat> a number of auditor reports dealing with uh, vendors that have provided services for the airport expansion. Um, I appreciate uh, the follow-up reports and uh, knowing that we will have billions of dollars in uh, additional work in the expansion, especially with the terminals in the airport. Um, it's critical that we remain focused uh, with so many contractors doing so much work to ensure that we protect the, the taxpayers' money. Um, in particular, uh, two of these reports deal with the uh, noise mitigation uh, consulting services. Um, we um, continue to have a, a large number of homes that have not yet received those uh, noise mitigation uh, upgrades or uh, modifications to their homes. This is required as a uh, precursor to uh, being eligible for the conveyance and release, which is the abrogation easement. So um, if you will continue uh, to monitor the uh, consulting services there, uh, we do have, as you know, uh, a planned uh, closure of the main runway for maintenance work, and that'll uh, require additional uh, traffic on the south runway which will adversely affect these residents. So I uh, just ask that you continue to monitor the consulting services contract for noise mitigation. Yes, Thank sir. You. We are continually monitoring the noise mitigation program, and we'll be giving you a memo soon on current status. With that, um, Commissioner Rich. Thank you. I, I just want to take note, as I read this, of the auditor commending uh, the Broward County Aviation Department for implementing recommendations and uh, recovering the overpayments. So it's nice to see. Thank yes, you. Thank you. Any other commissioners? With okay. that, I'm, I'll move the item. Second. All those in favor of item 22 signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Let the record show item 22 passes unanimously. Uh, minute secretary, can I be shown voting in the affirmative on every item up to item 22? Thank you. And the consent agenda. All righty. Um, so that that is all of the polls that I have from consent. At this time, the next item um, on the agenda is going to be. I'm sorry. 
on the public hearing is going to be item number 27. 24? 25. Okay, ready to go. Item 25 is a motion to adopt the resolution of Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, granting renewal of the non-exclusive franchise of Seabolt Towing, Inc., DBA Seabolt Towing of Port Everglades to provide tugboat and towing services. At this time, I do not have anyone from the public signed up on this item. Is there anyone from the dais that wishes to be heard? Okay, seeing item. none. Second. All right, all those in favor of item number 25, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that that passes unanimously with the members that are here. Item number 26 is a motion to adopt the resolution of Board of County Commissions of Broward County, Florida, granting renewal of a non-exclusive franchise of Tugs Company, LLC, doing business as McAllister Towing of Port Everglades to provide tugboat and towing services. At this time, it is a public hearing item, but I do not have anyone from the public that has signed up on this item. Is there anyone from the public that wishes to be heard on this item? Seeing none, back to the stairs. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show item 26 passes unanimously with those that are here. Item number 27 on public hearing. I have one um, speaker signed up. It's a motion to consider award of a class one ALS advanced life support rescue certificate of public convenience and necessity to the city of Cooper City, Coral Springs Fire Department, Town of Davie Fire Rescue, Fort Lauderdale Fire Rescue, City of Lauderdale Fire Rescue Department and Village of Lazy Lake, City of Lighthouse Point Fire Rescue, North Lauderdale Fire Rescue Department, City of Parkland, Town of Pembroke Park, City of Plantation Fire Department, Seminole Tribe of Florida, and Department of EMS of City of Wilton Manor, City of Western, and City of West Park. We should have just put what cities it didn't include, huh? <laughs> um, so this is a public hearing item. There is one speaker signed up from the public. That's Mr. Rand. Mr. Rand, could you please make your way to the podium? I pulled this just because it's uh, interesting. And um, in my many decades of semi-employment with Broward County, you know, I've been sent to an awful lot of training. And anybody with a pulse can sit there and just put in their time and get a certificate. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you really pay attention, because just like these meetings, they're kind of running along too fast for you to figure out what's going on sometimes. But you really have to read all the support material that goes along with it and, uh, and, and figure out what they're actually talking about. And then to actually have the training or a certificate to actually use it when you need it. And over the last few days and weeks and all, uh, responders have been called out to render aid. And, uh, you know, these are critical things. And especially in the horrific events uh, the other night, um, and also what's going on continually in the in Puerto Rico and the islands. So um, I found that in true experience that you know that it's not just the knowledge, but how you apply it and how things fit together. Because if you're always missing something, then somebody dies or whatever. Like in Puerto Rico, where they're missing so much, uh, it's a terrible thing. Um, um, so I, I want to thank, though, all the first responders who did amazing jobs. And, you know, do, they do the best they can with what they have going on at the time and all. And uh, I, would, I was a first responder, so if there was a hurricane, they'd expect me to run out there and apply chemistry knowledge and 
first aid and everything else that I, you know, have been trained to do and all, which I still remember it, and that's why I still continue to help the neighbors uh, as best they can and provide guidance. Uh, again, the nursing home, all you got to do is cool people down. In Puerto Rico, all you need to do is cool people down. They won't die in the heat and exhaustion. And simple things like bleach, bleach in the water that disinfects things and all. So knowing what to do and when to do it is, is really critical and important. Thank you. Back to this day as Commissioner Lamarco, you're in queue. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I, don't, I don't know if uh, Fire Chief Dave Donzella is still here or not. I know there were some chiefs here earlier. Um, I want, just wanted to uh, make a quick uh, comment. Uh, chief Donzella is my chief in Lighthouse Point. Uh, he's been there for, oh, I guess about 13 or 14 years uh, since I was, uh, just before I was on the city commission there and uh, has done a fantastic job, but uh, this is actually his second career. He, he retired as a battalion chief from the city of Pembroke Pines uh, prior to that, and uh, he is retiring the end of this year to take care of his uh, World War II veteran father, senior father, and uh, I wanted to uh, thank him for his service, and uh, with that, I'll move the item. Do have a second? All those in favor of item 27, signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Let the record show passes unanimously. Item number 28 is the next item um, on the public hearing. That's a motion to consider award of a class two ALS advanced life support transfer certificate of public convenience and necessity. I have only one speaker from the public. It's Mr. Rand. Mr. Rand, please make your way back up. Nope, you're done. Okay, um, back to the stay as public hearing is closed. Yes, Commissioner Geller. Uh, item 28 involves advanced life support transportation certificates. In my private legal practice, I represent Falk and American Ambulance. The issuance of these licenses could impact them. Accordingly, I will leave the dais until the item is resolved and ask that the minutes please reflect that I have abstained from voting on item number 28. Thank you. I'll have to wait for him to get to the staircase. Unless you guys want to. Motion to approve. <laughs> All those in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Let the record show that item 28 passes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven with one abstention. Okay. At this time, I'm going to go ahead and um, have the Broward Means business moment. I know they've been waiting patiently in the audience. Um, please forgive my um, tardiness. We had the. Um, Carnival uh, Royal Caribbean passengers coming in today um, who, who have been um, evacuated from Puerto Rico. And so that's what I was doing. And I couldn't be in two places at the same time, although I would have loved to have been. But at this time, could I please have Mr. Brian Powell, owner and president of, of Sagoma Construction Services, Inc., and whoever else you would like to join you at the podium, please. Thank you. <coughs> The proclamation reads, whereas Sagoma Construction Services, Inc., incorporated in June 2010, is a Fort Lauderdale-based multifaceted construction company with 10 employees, and whereas Sagoma Construction Services, Inc. specializes in design, build, pre-construction, general contracting, and construction management services, and 
whereas Sagoma Construction Services, Inc. is certified with various municipalities and school districts in the Tri-County area of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties, and is also certified with the Florida Department of Transportation as a DBE firm. And whereas Sagoma Construction Services, Inc. is experienced with LEED, Green Sustainable Energy Efficient Construction, and has LEED accredited professional staff, and where Sagoma Construction Services, Inc. is led by President Brian Powell and Vice President Terry Bird, with over 75 years of construction knowledge and experience with projects varying in size and personnel. And where Sagoma Construction Services, Inc., business is derived from repeat clients, which underscores the quality of work and team performance. And whereas responsible work ethic, appropriate credentials, and professionalism has placed Sagoma Construction Services, Inc. on the path of continuous growth within the industry. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the Board hereby designates Tuesday, October the 3rd, 2017, as Broward Means Business, Sagoma Construction Services Day in Broward County, Florida. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Mayor Sharif. Uh, thank you, Broward uh, Commissioners. Um, it is an honor that uh, we are we receive this recognition. And behalf of on behalf of the entire Sagoma team, um, we are proud to serve this community, and we do look forward to continuing growth, continued growth, and pro uh, prosperity in the near future. Thank you. And if I might add, I believe that your company is located in Commissioner Tim Ryan's district, yes. and I would love to have Commissioner Ryan come down here and join us. I've been waiting for the invitation. <laughs> <laughs> and while he's joining you, Mayor, if I may, uh, commend our staff and this Board of County Commissioners for the work that we've done over the years to increase opportunity for certified uh, small businesses. Uh, Brian's company is definitely one of the beneficiary and he's done a tremendously great job in, in fulfilling uh, the obligations that we have him undertaken. Uh, again, it's a great success for us in Broward County to know that we're growing our small businesses. to boss me around now. Okay. So as we continue along on our agenda, we are on the regular agenda. We had 29, 30, and 31 move to consent, so we're now on item number 32. Item number 32 is the Direct Procurement Authority meeting. I do have um, public signed up on item 32. It's Mr. Rand again. Ah. Um, yes. When we get to item 32, subsection E, 
Okay. Um, I have a uh, voting conflict on Part E only. Okay. As I previously mentioned, I serve on the board of directors and own shares in Legacy Bank. The shares are not traded on a stock exchange. Another owner of Legacy Shares has a substantial interest in Craven Thompson, which is listed as a subconsultant on Part E of the motion. I've been advised by counsel that I have no conflict on any of the other parts, and I may participate in the discussion and vote on those parts. However, after Part D is completed, I will leave the dais and not vote on E. I will also refrain on participating in the discussion of Part D to the extent it addresses the specific services provided by Craven Thompson. I ask that the minutes reflect that. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Udeen. Minute Secretary, are you good with that? Okay. At this time, um, item 32 requires a presentation from staff. Mr. Alan Cohn, are you coming up to the? Yes, ma'am. Yes. I wasn't sure if you wanted Mr. Rand Ms. Henry. to speak first or not. No, okay. um, you can speak first. You're good. All right. I'm getting a presentation first and then I'll go to the public and then we'll go to the item. One, all those in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let the record show that the, the meeting is now open. The direct procurement authority meeting is now open. I'll have a presentation from Mr. Alan Cohn. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor, uh, commissioners, and, and all assembled. Um, we have several items before you today for the direct procurement authority to consider. I'll walk you through these briefly, and then at the beginning of each item, I'll give you uh, a short briefing on that, and then when appropriate, uh, the associated stakeholder will come up and also give you a brief presentation. Um, there are two design team changes that the board will be considering. Uh, after that, uh, we'll be presenting to you a, an update on the hotel design, followed by that uh, presentation um, or discussion on the new design contract that the DPA will be considering today. Following that, uh, you'll be hearing from the proposed flag uh, or hotel operator for this project. Uh, they'll make a presentation. Uh, and then lastly, you'll consider taking the first step to initiate the implementation of the six penny of bed taxes authorized by state statute. Uh, so the first two items involve changes to the design team. Um, the uh, we challenged the developer to take another look at the design to see what they could do to lower costs. Uh, in so doing, they decided to bring in a fresh perspective and they brought in another uh, design firm, uh, the DeSantis firm, and uh, they are here today to briefly present their credentials to you and then you can decide to accept uh, them or not on the design team. Immediately following that, you'll be hearing about the credentials of Stantec. Uh, VOA Architects is the architect of record for this project. They have been purchased by Stantec uh, and uh, gobbled up, so to speak. So Stantec, uh, the VOA uh, employees are now Stantec employees. And in addition to those VOA employees that have been working on the project, Stantec has leveraged additional resources uh, from other offices around the country, including their Miami office. And because of these changes, it's appropriate for you to uh, acknowledge and accept Stantec as a member of the design team. 
So with that, I'll ask Mr. DeSantis to come forward. And that did not work. There we go. One moment. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Okay. Yeah, I did all tab. Go ahead, do all tab. Oh, you had to do it simultaneously. That's what the problem is. Okay. All right. There you go, sir. Thank you, Alan. Good morning. Um, I'm extremely thrilled to be here, and I would like to very much thank Mayor Sharif and the commissioners for allowing us the opportunity to come in and introduce ourselves as the architect. My name is Nunzio DeSantis. Uh, I've been practicing architect architecture a very long time, but more importantly, practicing hospitality. Over the 30, 34 years of my business, I have solely focused on the hospitality world, whether that is the big box hotels, which are meeting-based meeting hotels, understanding what drives meeting-based hotels over other hotels, to resorts, to businessman hotels, the whole gamut of ho uh, hospitality, and that's the essence of what this project is about. We are a hospitality design firm. We do nothing but hospitality. To give you a little sense of our team, it's balanced by deeply experienced individuals, 34 years myself, Jim Suggs, 32, with also incredibly vibrant, talented young people. Whatever you design for today has to be relevant for tomorrow. So we balance our team with incredibly talented individuals. This is the team at hand, led by myself, Jim Suggs, uh, Mark DeSantis, Carlos, Christina, an extraordinary woman, worked with me for 17 years, and Sam Goulis. Our work can be found across the world. Um, these are only a few dots that I chose to put on here, but one of the things I do want you to notice is the dots located in Florida, in southern Florida. We spent a tremendous amount of time doing projects such like the, the renovation of Fountain Blue and the, the 1400 room Hilton Inn in Orlando. So we have a tremendous, I've been registered in Florida for a very long time, and we understand the differences in designing a hotel in Florida than in Tucson. You know, we've come off this last terrible series of hurricanes. Our building has to be prepared for those events. So uh, virtually work for every major flag out there, work with Matthew Southwest, Omni, Hilton. You go down the list, we've got a tremendous track record. Uh, I wanted to show just a few of our projects to give you a sense of the gravity of our experience we bring. And this is limited largely just to large hotels that are designed around meeting space. The upper right there is the, Om excuse me, up upper left is the Omni Nashville, 800 rooms, one of the most successful new convention center hotels in America. One right below it is the 1400 room Hilton Orlando, which is now under expansion already. The Amelia Island Omni in the lower left and uh, the JW Marriott in the upper right, all thousand room plus. Uh, this particular slide shows two important projects, one being uh, the Fountain Blue on the lower right, the largest convention center hotel in America under construction today. 
which is the Gaylord outside Denver, 1,500 rooms, it's 3 million square feet under construction right now, uh, the Omni in the upper left and the JW Marriott on the right. Uh, being able to design big hotels is different than being able to design just a typical hotel. We've uh, been reached out to, to do some of the largest hotels in the world. The one in the upper left is the 11 million square foot, 4,000 room Aria Hotel, Las Vegas. And sorry to bring up the word Las Vegas after yesterday's af aftermath, but all these hotels, the Atlantis in the lower right, out in the Bahamas, to the lar you know the new MGM outside of DC that just opened, that's a million and a half square feet. Vertical buildings, we understand that. Stacked buildings, lifestyle buildings. We have to be vibrant, exciting, relevant. These buildings are all about the alternative kind of stay. Uh, and then lastly, Florida. We've been doing projects in Florida for since 1987. The first one we did, first hotel was 5,800 rooms for Disney in the upper left. All Stars, one of our most recent projects we've done is the upper right. It is the largest Four Seasons in the chain of Four Seasons at Walt Disney World. As I mentioned earlier, the, uh, the Fountain Blue and a number of other projects that we've been a part of here from Universal and so forth. So uh, uh, that's a little bit about who we are. Thank you. Thank you. Mayor, do you have uh, any, uh, you or the board have any questions for Mr. DeSantis? Um, yes. Commissioner Lamarck, you raised your hand. Is there any other member that wishes to speak? Commissioner Ryan? I don't have a question, uh, but excellent body of work. Um, assuming from your name and your where you live, you're Southern Italian. Um, <laughs> now, you had, no, I, I just wanted to comment. I mean, the the, the breadth of work from uh, traditional box all the way up to, to five five star five diamond products is is impressive and and we only get to do this project once but we have tried it three times prior on our fourth go so we uh, we'd like it to be the, the best project you've ever done well I appreciate that and let me let me also say this is an incredibly important project for me as well um, Everybody that is, you will meet today, I've worked for in the past. This is the coming together of individuals that know one another and expect great things from us as a team. We've worked with Stantec, VOA, contractor, the operator, and the developer. And let me tell you, there's nothing greater to, than to work with friends because they'll call, call you out if you're not serving each other. We're going to do a bang-up job for you. This is going to be a showpiece. For Broward County, we're excited about it. And uh, I can't wait to show you the new concept because it's also smart. Just one, one point, if I might, uh, and, and the, possibly Mr. Matthews might be the one to answer this, but you could probably answer it as well because you've done some Omnis. Where's the, where's the next closest Omni Hotel, Atlanta? Um, the next closest is probably uh, the one that you might want to see is Orlando. Okay. I'd love for you to see. But there's nothing in the South Florida area. Okay. It's an intercontinental now. Used to be in. I guess the only one is uh, Champions Gate. And then Amelia Island okay. and okay. Champions Gate. Uh, but if you get a chance and you're in Nashville, go see what the Omni Nashville did for the city of Nashville. That is on fire. 
because it just it, it becomes the doorway, the threshold for so many people that flock to that city, just like they will be flocking here, because this is an amazing destination. Enough said. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very so much. much. Thank you. Commissioner Ryan. In this presentation, the first exhibit that we have is the updated um, convention center design program, but there's also um, a presentation uh, with regard to where we are on the, the hotel to date. Um, we will be presenting a and, presentation. And, and with, this, with this new design team coming in, I mean, uh, have you already engaged in, uh, conceptually in, in what some of your plans are? Uh, yes, sir. You know, uh, that, 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 you know, is, is the um, motivation for Matthews wanting to bring you on to the team? Uh, Commissioner Ryan, we were, we, were, um, we were reached out to by Matthew Southwest and, and were brought up with the history of how the project had evolved to where it was. And the question was, very simply, how can we make this a smarter, more efficient, more cost-effective and yet keep the great bones of the, the, the first project and do it in a way that every dollar counts and, a, and it benefits the county and the hotel in both ways. It's got to operate, it's got to be maintainable, it's got to be efficient. So our tact, and we went ahead under the guidance of Matthew Southwest to develop a concept of putting the pieces together in a way that allows this building to perform at a higher level. And, and I asked the question in the context that, I mean, in the several years that we've been dealing with, with the, um, the development of uh, a, a convention center hotel and the expansion of our convention center, we've gone through many different changes, you know, in the site plan and uh, the appearance of the building and some of its functions. So I, I just was hoping to get some flavor for where you were headed based upon, you know, the last... Uh, a version that we have we've been approved well we've, we've got uh, we're going to basically walk you through the new the concept in its entirety here in a moment we have the great pleasure now to have the operator Omni on board that will help guide how the building operates the way it looks as of today we like where we are but we have a life of evolution here uh, and I'm sure there'll be tweaking along the way, but largely this gives you a sense, a snapshot in time, and we'll be going over that in great detail. Uh, all right, so so some of your vision is already in incorporated yes. into the presentation that we're going to hear this see morning. see that in a minute. Okay, thank you. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll move on to the Stantec presentation and then ask you to consider motions B and C. So I'll ask the Stantec representative to come forward. Good morning. Uh, again, thank you. We're excited to be here and continue to look at this project. Uh, VOA, uh, as was mentioned, joined uh, Stantec about two years ago. Uh, and what that has done is given uh, the organization uh, greater uh, power to deliver and diverse, a more diverse group of design professionals to really bring this project to fruition. Uh, myself, I will be uh, the project uh, uh, executive and principal in charge uh, from the architect of record side. Uh, my experience uh, is very extensive in South Florida for the last 15 years. 
Uh, we've worked in many relationships uh, in design lead, but also in architect of record. Uh, we've uh, completed uh, with TCO coming uh, the $300 million uh, Jade Signature Project in Sunny Isles Beach, uh, one of the tallest towers along the beachfront there, uh, with Herzog and Demuren, uh, internationally known architect. We're also doing 87 Park with Renzo Piano's office, so we really have a very good understanding of how to drive these teams and protect uh, all stakeholders uh, to bring the project to fruition. Uh, uh, Stantec has over 300 building design professionals in the state of Florida. And, uh, and when I say building, that means architects and engineers focused in building, and 4,500 throughout the United States. Uh, you can see in the team here, uh, myself, uh, and my experience, uh, which ranges from a variety of hospitality work, as well as multifamily work, as well as commercial uh, work on projects. Uh, Rice Stallings, who is uh, here in the back, uh, senior project architect, has delivered some of the most complex technically difficult projects in South Florida. Uh, has a long history of being here uh, from Jade Signature to View New River, which is uh, one of the rental towers on uh, the river in Fort Lauderdale here, uh, to a variety of projects of 600 uh, Alton uh, and in Bahamas. Uh, strong depth of knowledge. Uh, BK Boley. Uh, BK is an important member of this team. He's uh, one of my uh, partners in the organization out of Boston led the expansion of the Boston Convention Center, uh, looking at everything from planning, enabling certain parts of the project and carrying it through. Uh, Long-standing relationship on very difficult projects as well. Uh, and then Elvira, which is here today, uh, uh, senior project manager. Now, when I talk about these individuals, this is a very large project. These are the primary team members. We will have additional project managers and project architects that will be handling sub-portions of the project to make sure that all of them are protected and going through uh, a smooth process. Uh, Elvira has a long-standing history of working on county projects, both in Miami-Dade and Broward, but also on very difficult design projects, ensuring that the details and the focus and the coordination between consultants is carried through. Uh, and then lastly, Andrew Burnett. Uh, uh, he is uh, from a... Uh, overview on design liaison with uh, design architects. He's my right-hand person in the office, has led projects such as 1111 Brickell Bay, which is an 800-unit project in uh, Miami, uh, but has also done projects throughout the country, uh, especially conference centers uh, for every corporation from Google to Amazon, and looking at those type of uh, interests, and they're going to be coming and participating in your city. Uh, you see here just a quick snapshot of several of the projects that we've worked on uh, from a hotel point of view. Uh, we've worked on every project from the Shelburne Hotel, the old Morris Lapidus building in Miami Beach, bringing it back to its uh, grandeur, to Loft South Beach, uh, to San Juan, to Gale Hotel, to the Sweet Bird Hotel that Louis Vuitton is doing in Miami uh, currently. So uh, great depth within there, and also to note uh, the seaport uh, uh, Boston Seaport Convention Center expansion uh, was a primary project of, of our firm. Uh, we also went on to expand and plan the other 100 acres around the convention center. Uh, and if you've been to Boston lately, you would see a renaissance of what has happened in that neighborhood and uh, becoming one of the most innovative sub-districts in the area. So thank you. I'm open to any questions you may have. Thank you. Commissioners? Mr. Commissioner Udine? Um I actually drove by and looked at some of the projects over the weekend just to drive by, and they're fantastic. I'd move agenda item 32 B and C. I move for approval on both. Okay. 
So at this time, we're going to continue on with the presentation. At the end, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of the items except item, number, um, item E, and we're going to vote on them as a whole, and then I'll, pull, I'll vote on item E separately, and that way you can have your, um, you can abstain. Okay. Um, Mr. Cohen, can you continue? Yes, ma'am. I am trying to get us there. There we go. All right. So next, um, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we had some concerns uh, specifically around cost for the project, and we challenged Matthews to take another look at the design. Uh, they brought in Mr. DeSantis, uh, who you've now accepted, and I just want to briefly show you what we've looked at in the past. This was the first design uh, that we brought forth, which was a good design in its own right and had some, you know, some merit to it, but there were some problems with it as far as how it was inward-facing and not outward-facing. We then uh, took a look at this design, which opened up more to the community, but it also led to some cost implications because it was a two-podium concept uh, and uh, that uh, resulted in two foundations and uh, significant additional costs. Um, Mr. DeSantis and his team have revisited the project and looked at how it could be improved, and I'm going to now have him come forward and walk you through uh, what the new design looks like. If we can, there we go. Nope. Hmm. Right. This? Yeah. Okay. There we go. All right, Mr. DeSantis. Thank you, Al. Um, I'm going to walk through this. If there's any questions, feel free to interrupt because there's quite a bit of information. I'm also going to go a little bit slow. I tend to kind of kick in a little bit when I get excited, and I love talking about design <laughs> because uh, it changes, changes people's lives. It changes cities, so um, feel free to own this with me. Before I enter any location, when I'm doing a project, whether it's Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Rome, or, or you know, Broward County, I, I spend time doing research. And at one time, the slide presentation was a lot longer, and uh, we condensed it down to, you know, just one image. But what, I, what really struck me from the history that I looked at was, well over 100 years, people have been coming to this part of the country to enjoy the incredible hospitality, the sun, the sand, the breezes, the, the beach, and uh, a beautiful place. And we want to keep that up. We put together a collection of, you know, from the, the hello sunny to the notion of water and sand, the, the great food the color, the pageantry, the sunsets, the breezes, the, the warmth of this particular part of the world, and the people that live here. Any great hotel begins with a quality, what I call the heart of the house. That's the people that serve throughout the building. We can't lose sight of that. Our building can only be so good, but we have to do better with the people within it. So... Um, this is, 
there's a lot more in this building, but we identified these six elements. 800 key hotel. That doesn't mean 800 modules. It means how many keys that we can sell. There are going to be suites and so forth. So the building's a little bit bigger than 800 modules. 742 typical rooms, 58 suites, 73,000 square feet of meeting space. This is a true convention center hotel in its, in its right. 23,000 square feet, almost 24, of what oftentimes makes people remember, want to come back, engage, the social event, the excitement, creating memories through restaurants, bars, retail, how the building engage with, engages and opens up to the streetscape. We do not want to build a building comes crashing to the ground and forgets what happens 10 feet outside that envelope. So you're going to see concepts about how this building filters itself. 11,000 square foot full spa and fitness. So you've got the luxury, the pampering, pampering the human component to it. And 30,000 square foot pool deck. The challenge was all in one podium. Okay, so... This diagram here shows the previous design on the lower portion and the upper design. What ends up happening here is you had two podiums. You had the podium underneath the tower. On the lower, I'm talking about the lower image. Podium underneath the, low, the tower. Then it jumped across the road. And then there was another podium with ballrooms. What that meant was there was two loading docks, two kitchens, two back of houses. The redundancy was out the roof. And from an operation standpoint, you had to staff both sides. You didn't have that opportunity to just have that direct connection. Much more inefficient. The question was, how could we make this building function, provide the same programming components, and put it on a diet, but make it perform really, really well? The upper diagram shows you less, more than a 300-foot reduction to the podium can see how it comes across. Um, everything's isolated, basically, uh, just, uh, just to the south of 17th and just to the east of Eisenhower. And we've left a large area for food and beverage park environments, the band shell, and that's open for everybody. So that's before and where we are today. This is a site plan that we're focused on. This is us here. As you come off 17, you can see we're still using the roadway that brings you down into it. You can see the tower is what I call the boomerang sh shape. The big square just to the right of the boomerang is the roof of the grand ballroom. And then around the perimeter, above the big square and down the, the right side is the entertainment deck, the pool decks, they're double terraced, so pools on two levels, 30,000 square feet, multiple bars, outdoor spaces, kids zone, public zone, those types of things. We're very, very excited. Um, one of the things about the shape of the tower, when, when you've done hotels as long as I have, there's nothing more saddening for a guest is when they get off the elevator and they walk out into the quarter, and it's 300 feet in both directions. 
a football field in both directions to the end of it. The boomerang allows you to stop the view corridor. You have one side or the other split right down the center and makes it a much more efficient, dynamic building and also greater views of downtown. You know, Alan just wanted me to let you know to speed up the slides. Speed them up. <laughs> I'm worried about your audience here. Okay. Hello, everyone. I haven't seen you in a while. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go a little quicker. I was trying to slow it down a bit. Okay, now that's good. So uh, one of the things that we talk about, I'm going to go quicker. Uh, I told you I love this stuff. One of the things that I want to really communicate is the entire edge of the first level. This is the arrival level. First edge commands all the food and beverages. So the food and beverage components wrap the outside edge of this building so it engages towards the street, to the car, to the people that's walking, whether it's on the convention center side, park side, or concourse side. You can see our building, that light blue, directly connects to the concourse of the convention center. So it's seamless, and it's connected by food and beverage components. The arrival's dead center in what I call the horseshoe at the top. Access to the garage works off of the Eisenhower side and the cell center and visitor centers in the upper left there. Okay, tower. This is the second level. You have parking. You can see the parking garage that's anchored on the left-hand side. On the right-hand side is where we stack our meeting space. This is our second level above the lobby. You have a 15,000-square-foot, what we call junior ballroom. It's divisible on all sides, so it's very, very efficient. It's back-loaded from the back of house, so you can really drive the engine about multiple meeting spaces. And then all along the perimeter... We have breakout rooms, smaller meeting rooms that serve smaller needs on the glass so you have natural light coming in. One of the great uh, characteristics of this floor is that gray striped area along the right-hand side. That's a large outdoor terrace. So people that are meeting all day have the ability to go outside on that terrace, feel that breeze coming off, off the ocean, and so forth. This is one more level up since that was a double volume space. We had more meeting space there. And then we culminate the height of the podium with the grand, with the, the grand ballroom. This is a 35,000 square foot grand ballroom accessible from two sides. Back of house serves the backside. And what makes this so unique is that one end of this ballroom is glass. So most of us go into ballrooms, and they're a dark box. Today, what we're doing, the new trend is let one end of the ballrooms have glass, natural light. You've got blackout curtains that come in, blackout shades can, for, for presentations. But when it's being used as a meeting hall, you open some of those windows and doors, and people have that direct access to that, uh, that terrace. Next level up, spa and fitness off the core elevators and then as you work towards 17th street and around towards uh, uh you can see that we have the kids pool and then the adult pool on edge here it's a tiered environment two pools cabanas bars grills beautiful outdoor area and uh it's all back served from the back of house in the purple then the tower very simple shape but there's some dynamics to it you've got You've got the inside curve on those two suites in the center. The outside noses 
provide tremendous 90 degree views in uh, two directions. You've got the opportunity to, to have direct downtown views, beautiful southeast views, and really less views facing uh, the uh, petroleum area where the, the large tanks are. So what we've really done is focus this on some downtown views and so forth. The section, the overall height of this building is 290 feet. The podium at the highest point here is about 90, uh, about, uh, about 85 feet where the ball, grand ballroom is. You can see how the building stacks. The gray area is the parking, and that sits off to one side. And then last but not least, how beautiful this building could be. It will be designed around hurricane codes. Uh, we're talking a lot about floor-to-ceiling glass, so the views are unencumbered. Very limited balconies in certain areas that have views of downtown. Uh, the, the large striped area at the base is the parking deck. And then the low glass that slings around the corner are the pre-functions that work off of the meeting spaces. And then what does that mean as you're coming over the bridge and the open space and what you give back? It's extraordinary by bringing this building into a tighter podium. It, you have this outdoor food and beverage off opportunity. You have band shell, really fantastic, uh, a nice greeting outdoor space at the forefront of the building. And you can see the pools are cantilevered out, so you have this extraordinary view out to the, uh, to the ocean and beyond. And that is it. And I'm sorry, Alan, it took a little longer. Yes, you did, but I'll forgive you. All right. And Mr. Matthews wanted me to point out that he's wearing a tie today. Just yes. uh, touche. All right. Um, one of the questions that I did receive from you, uh, or several of you during the briefings, uh, was about the hotel tower that does contain 18 floors uh, of rooms uh, to answer that specific question that I received from you. Are there any specific questions on the hotel design? Commissioner uh, Ryan, followed by Commissioner Holmes. The, it, <clears throat> it appears the hotel is, has been moved a little bit west of, uh, you know, further away from the water. And uh, I, I guess part of that may have been to address the concerns of the city of Fort Lauderdale, that they wanted to have um, uh, no blockage of that, that view, that vista of the water uh, for vehicles um, coming um, both east and west on 17th Street Causeway on the Clay Shaw Bridge. Um, and, and that allows, I guess, for uh, a much larger area that's open to the public. Can you, like, kind of be specific about what type of activities you're envisioning in this, this, this public uh, square or public access area? I mean, I see the part where you have the restaurants that are immediately east of the hotel, but then you have another space here um, that's... Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what you envision would be the activities in that area. If you could speak to that. All right. I'll, I'll start and um, get back up as needed. There, there's a... Excuse me, Alan. Could you hurry up? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> there are the traditional activities, the food and beverage activities, but there is also open space for us to do programming for the convention center itself. Uh, one of the, uh, the, the trends in meeting in the meeting industry uh, in the past few years is taking advantage of open outdoor spaces. Boston uh, has created uh, an area called the Commons uh, that has been wildly successful 
for their convention center. Uh, Moscone has done something, and other convention centers around the country are uh, looking at how they can take more advantage of outdoor space. So we'll, we'll have space to set up tents or just to have, have it be open air to do receptions out there uh, and whatnot. The amphitheater itself can also double for us. That could be a meeting space or it can be a performance space. Uh, it's not meant to be a very large amphitheater to accommodate thousands of people because that could have an adverse impact on the surrounding neighborhoods as well. It's meant to be a smaller venue uh, to accommodate smaller performances that would not only be a benefit to the convention center itself, but also to uh, the community at large. And, and that kind of was, was where I was headed because we, we've had a, um, a long discussion with regard to uh, the transportation impacts with this development. And um, I represent the area where the convention center is and immediately over to the east. It's Commissioner LaMarca, so I know that he and I have both dealt with uh, the residents' concerns for uh, going on to, I guess, a couple of years now. So I, I wanted to get some assurances that this wasn't something that was looking to uh, attract uh, large uh, crowds that would, you know, would drive here because we didn't want to create a, a great additional deal, uh, additional impact of traffic with this, uh, this public space. Well, um, there will be uh, some of that type of activity because the area is being designed to have a critical mass of retail entertainment to serve the local population. So we, we did not want this to be an inward-facing convention center-only facility. And so there are several food and beverage uh, operations on site which create a very exciting uh, mixture and critical mass of activity that should make this attractive to the local population. But I would point out in, in the picture before you in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see the canopy for what will be the intermodal center. Uh, and we're going to do a lot to encourage folks not to drive to this facility, but to take alternative modes of transportation. All right. And then one last item, just kind of a, a small item, but um, when you had the, the spa and the fitness center, uh, usually uh, when you have a hotel this size with 800 persons, you know, everybody wants to be at the fitness center early in the morning. And, I mean, is that going to be large enough for a hotel of this size? Uh, I know that just last week I was in, in Washington, D.C., and when you go down to the fitness center in the morning, it's crowded and it's becoming more and more popular. So I just wanted to ensure that you had sufficient space for your fitness center. Didn't see you down there. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Holness? Yes. Uh, what? To, Mayor, to, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Mr. DeSantis was going to answer. He's going to. That was a question? Yes. That sounds. Commissioner Ryan, you I do believe we've got adequate um, space in the fitness side to handle this 800 room hotel. He doesn't even use it. Um, Commissioner Holness. To, to, to go back to the traffic issue, uh, once we build this, will we not, in, in, in great part, removing some of the traffic we have now when we have events? events at the convention center since there's no on-site hotel uh, aren't folks staying outside of this area and taking uber taxis uh, rental cars into the center that's uh, that's an important point and one of two points that um, I'm, I'm grateful for you bringing up so I can highlight uh, what Commissioner Holness is pointing out is that right now uh, folks are staying off-site and there is a considerable amount of shuttle activity back and forth to the convention center 
when we have uh, business to business trade shows or professional associations and they're staying at a variety of different facilities, whether on the beach or off the beach. Uh, so having an 800 room hotel on site should um, dramatically reduce uh, that amount of shuttle activity. It won't eliminate it. Some folks are still going to want to go to the beach one day or go shopping, uh, but we should see uh, a lot less activity in that regard. Secondly, um, the nature of the type of, uh, or the, the nature of the business that we're going to be doing at the convention center will change. Uh, by making the improvements that we're talking about with, um, you know, potentially expanded exhibition hall, and I'll be talking about that momentarily, a larger ballroom for larger plenary sessions, more meeting rooms, and an on-site hotel, we'll be able to attract larger professional association meetings and also more business-to-business -business trade shows. What that will do is allow for less room on the calendar for business-to-consumer trade shows. The difference are the first two that I referenced are national or international shows where the majority of folks are flying in from around the country and sometimes from across the globe. The business-to-consumer shows are relying on a regional clientele, most of whom are driving to the location and converging on that location roughly the same time every day, as opposed to the folks that are flying in, um, their impact on the convention center is more spread out over the day or over you know, the course of several days. And so the impact on the traffic grid is markedly different. So the amount of traffic might end up being the same, but spread out over multiple day parts versus the traffic converging all at one time in one day part. And that leads to some of the problems that we've heard about from the city and the, the residential neighborhoods uh, that are uh, in proximity to the convention center. So uh, that, will be, uh, that will lead to some marked improvements in traffic uh, patterns in that area. And will not the intermodal hub also contribute to more efficient movement of traffic in the area? In the uh, long which means run, people we believe can get it, in and get out much easier. I'm sorry. Go yes, ahead. in the long run, we believe it will uh, by uh, providing a better facility and promoting it more. We believe more people will take advantage of that opportunity. Um, there are buses already serving this, but they're underutilized, and we believe that we can get more folks to utilize them. Also, when the wave is extended to this area, which is in our long-term plans and is facilitated uh, by this design, we expect even more folks to be taking public transportation to access this site. As to the, the design uh, and the grand ballroom, I understand you have glass on one end, but if we could go back to that slide. I, I notice it's in the middle uh, rather than at the end, the, the most eastern end. Uh, so yes. it, it's why, actually, why wouldn't we move it to the most eastern end and, it, it, and get the view, the vistas? It from is. All those what, what you're seeing to the east of the ballroom is an outdoor terrace. So the lines there, uh, that, that line in the middle means that it opens up all the way? Is that what that indicates? So the, Because I, I, I see ballroom in the center. Of, oh, so let me explain, Commissioner. Yeah. What the lines that you're seeing in the drawing indicate... Uh, movable walls okay. that okay. will be so we can subdivide this space to have smaller meetings or those walls go completely away and that entire blue box becomes one large meeting space. Okay. And, and are we allowing for those space enough uh, vista uh, by having it placed high enough to be able to get a, a great view of, of the area? 
This is going to be, as Mr. DeSantis pointed out, at the 85-foot level um, or, or just a little below that 85 for the roof or, or the people? 85 to the roof is 45 to the floor of the grand ballroom. So we've got uh, great views out. There's no obstruction. Mr. DeSantis, please. At, at this point, the floor of the ballroom is at 45 feet on the grand ballroom. So there's, none, there's nothing to the east to obstruct the view at this location right now. Uh, out over that terrace, you're able to, the end of that ballroom can open up, walk directly out on that terrace with an extraordinary view. Um, and to the, if you look north, that pre-function, prior to entering the big box, that pre-function area with the two big red squares are all glass with a view to, towards downtown and northeast up, up the coastline. So incredible views all the way around, 45 feet above uh, the, the street level. Thank you. Commissioner LaMarco, followed by Vice Mayor Furr. Um, Alan, if you, could you go back to the last slide that showed the, the uh, view from the, I guess, the northeast there. Um, less on the hotel, more on that shot there. Just to confirm that the convention center expansion just behind that Princess uh, cruise ship that the tail end is there, the stern is there. Um, that area that is cut out, the green area, that's a, uh, uh, an outside amenity. And then the, the rest of the closed area, on top of that, there is a solar array? Correct. Okay. Um, that is something... Um, the the configuration of the building itself mm -hmm. is likely to change with the next conceptual design pass that we'd like to do but we fully intend on having a solar array on the roof regardless substantial correct yeah. okay as a matter of fact the new design might end up being more substantial okay okay when you're putting that together take a look at the fau tower over here there's already one there and it's functioning will do Vice Mayor Fur. I was actually going to go on that same thing. You were thinking about adding to the that other part right in front of it. Were you thinking about adding the array to that as well? Uh, possibly. And possibly. And I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through that momentarily when okay. we get to the conceptual design uh, phase of this discussion. Okay. I just wanted to make some comments with regard to the change in design, which I think is much better. Um, I, I know it's a little harsh at the last meeting, uh, reg with regard to the with the regard to the design, but I think you actually had a had a chance. You listened to us, and I think you came back with a much better design. I think it looks good. Uh, it's more efficient all the way across the board. So I just want to thank you for that. Thank you, Mr. Cohen. Okay, thank you. Continue. Thank you, ma'am. And let's see if I can. Oh, look at that. It actually worked. All right. So thank you, sir. Okay. All right. All right. So let's move on now. Uh, our next topic, uh, and that's a little cut off for you. Uh, the next topic is the new design contract. Uh, there are three main components to it, and there's a minor item that I do want to point out to the board. So I'm going to be talking to you about uh, the new conceptual design that was just referenced in the con conversation with Commissioner Lomarca and Vice Mayor Furr. I'm going to be talking to you about uh, moving on to the next step schematic design, 
and then talking to you about the three enabling projects. Uh, we're talking about a total budget of $10.7 million. Uh, included in that uh, is uh, 300, approximately $339 for uh, some work uh, that was previously done up until this point. Uh, the pre-development agreement with Matthews, the last one that you approved, expired on February 7, 2017. Uh, since that time, uh, two of Matthews' subcontractors uh, have continued to provide some design services to accommodate our request uh, to adjust the convention center expansion design. This agreement that you're considering today would allow them to be compensated for those services, and the effective date uh, of the contract would be appropriately amended. Um, Moving on to the, the three main components. So the first one is the conceptual design. So up until now, we've been looking at uh, what we would call an eastward expansion of the convention center, that picture that you were just looking at before. Um, given the, um, the cost savings that we experienced with the most recent hotel design, we'd like to take another crack at the convention center design we have also, uh, during the intervening period, received some feedback from the meeting industry and want to take another look at uh, providing for more contiguous meeting space in this design. Uh, if you recall back to the 2014 master plan, the master plan always envisioned the western space uh, or the space immediately west of the convention center for future expansion. It was our intent uh, as a phase two to expand west and create more contiguous exhibition space. Uh, to explain that, by the way, you can have non-contiguous, which is not con connected to your existing convention space, and then you can have contiguous, which is connected. So there's a seamless transition from one part of the exhibition hall to another part of the exhibition hall, and that's what the meeting industry is calling for. So the blue box here on the uh, map that I'm showing you is the area west of the existing convention center that will be um, uh, analyzed uh, and evaluated for how, how much uh, exist or additional space we can add uh, to our exhibition halls. Uh, in order to do that and remain relatively within the same budget that we're talking about now, we would look at downsizing the eastern expansion so the Eastern Expansion right now had um, uh, exhibition space on the first floor, ballroom on the second, and then the meeting space on the third floor that your colleagues uh, were talking about a moment ago. The idea would be to eliminate uh, potentially that meet, uh, exhibition space on the first floor and then flip the meeting space from the top to the bottom. So the top would now be the ballroom and that would be one uniform roof so instead of having an outdoor terrace cutout, it, it would provide more space potentially for the solar array uh, that we were just talking about a few minutes ago. We're able to accomplish that in part because of all the additional outdoor space we've gained on the, on the surface level or the ground level to provide that outdoor programming space, which, which is so important uh, to convention centers these days. By, by doing this downsizing, we're also falling below a very important threshold in the Florida Building Code, which kicks in some requirements that significantly add to construction costs. So the overall construction cost for the eastern expansion should go down considerably, 
with those savings and, and the savings for not creating the square footage for the exhibition space, that will buy us some flexibility on the west, western side of the building to evaluate um, uh, an expansion of contiguous exhibition space. So that's the conceptual design pass that we'd like to take and as part of the design contract. The, the second part of it is schematic design. So this, um, this diagram here is uh, from DeSantis and it's the ground floor, uh, sort of the, the, the basic site plan for the ground floor of the facility. This is a very simplistic drawing and, is, and is, it's, it's intended to be so in a conceptual design. Schematic design brings you to the next level and it brings you to a level where you truly understand connectivity not only within spaces on the site but with the site and, and other sites around it. There's a, a greater level of detail on utilities, on the functionality of the space and it's what is required in order to submit a site plan application to the city of Fort Lauderdale. So we're, we're asking as part of this design contract to be able to move forward with schematic design. I wanna be clear though that we would not actually issue the notice to proceed on, the, on this component of the contract until we bring back to you the new concept design that we're also asking for and have you look at it, and as long as you're happy with it, we can immediately issue the notice to proceed and keep the momentum on this project going. Uh, lastly, there are three enabling projects. The blue box on the upper end of the convention center highlights the first one. Uh, in order to accommodate some of the design considerations that were priorities for the city and also made for a better design for us with creating one integrated facility, we intend on uh, shaving off the north end of the convention center and that's what's contained in that blue box. Uh, contained within that blue box, aside from a couple of meeting rooms and offices for our contractor, happens to be the existing central energy plant. The FPL vault, the telecommunications vaults, the HVAC systems with the chillers and the cooling towers and all the major piping is contained in there. So unless we want to shut down our convention center for a year and a half to two years, the, the alternative would be construct a new central energy plant now, so design it, permit it, build it, connect it, and energize it, and then go in and do the demolition, and we're talking about you know a couple of days of downtime on the existing facility, and that allows us to keep our momentum going. It's really important, and we've seen this elsewhere across the country, when you do major shutdowns, you lose long-term clients to other facilities and a percentage of those never come back. And we have folks that have been with us for 20, 25 years. Every year they keep coming back and they're our bread and butter. And we wanna keep serving them. And that's why this enabling project is so important. It has a 16 month time frame to it. And, and that's why it's so important that we start this as soon as possible. As soon as we get that done and the new central energy plan is energized, we can take down the north end of the convention center and immediately start work on the hotel that's gonna be sitting right there in that area. The second enabling project has to do with the parking garage. The north end of the parking garage would be demolished. Uh, but what's important to know is that the ground floor of that parking garage currently serves as a ground transportation area for uh, Port Everglades Terminal 2 and both the, the, excuse me, not both, the tractor trailers, the buses, and the taxis that all serve uh, Terminal 2 and Berth 2 
enter that ground transportation area from the north end of that parking garage. They drive off of Eisenhower, up the road between the convention center and the parking garage, make that turn, and then turn into the garage. When we demolish that garage, that access is cut off and will continue to be cut off as we start construction on our new expansion space there. So we have to accommodate new means of ingress and egress for those tractor trailers, buses, buses and taxis, and um, have a design to add a new truck lane uh, near the bottom of this uh, drawing to allow trucks to come up from the south and then back into the dock and to allow buses and taxis to enter from a new ingress, egress point uh, that's roughly just below that uh, blue line that you see in the part of the box that is cut out. Um, so th again, this project needs to be done before we can take down the garage and then start work on the actual expansion, um, the eastward expansion of the convention center. Lastly, it's a much smaller project and a shorter project. The two blue lines in the upper left-hand corner represent 18th Street. And 18th Street, uh, as you can see, is not aligned right now. Uh, when our delivery trucks come through the port, they come up uh, through the security gate, and then they turn uh, where that right-hand side line is and then continue turning around to approach the loading dock for the convention center. Uh, that blue line happens to sit where both the new hotel and our new Convention and Visitors Bureau building will be sitting. So we need to move that blue line down, and it will actually be aligned with the blue line on the left. So 18th Street will feed straight across, and there's an existing curb cut there as well that will help to facilitate traffic um, uh, leaving the site, particularly our trucks that will then be turning uh, at that curb cut, making a left and going back through the port so that we are minimizing traffic on 17th Street. Uh, so those are the three main enabling projects. I'd be happy to entertain any questions about these or any other components of the design contract. Commissioner Geller. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. The, um, Alan, I've got a number of questions reflecting largely what you and I have already gone over. Let me preface this by saying that if there's anything that I'm going to ask you and you believe that the answer could adversely affect our negotiating power with anybody, tell me that you'd prefer not to answer because you think it could adversely affect our negotiating. Okay. Um, the, I've got a couple of concerns. The biggest concern that I have is right now my understanding is we're into this, the convention center hotel for a million, million and a half dollars is our actual out of pocket. And right now, it's my understanding, we still don't really know that the city of Fort Lauderdale is going to end up approving what we want to do. I know there have been some, uh, a number of ongoing <laughs> discussions, but I'm not aware that there's been any agreement reached, and I guess they really can't until they have a site plan in front of them. But I think if the city has not yet indicated if they like the site plan that they would approve what we're doing. Um, I'm not sure that we've uh, reached final agreement with uh, the joint venture partners on the ownership or anything else on this. So my concern is putting another 10700000 um, into the project without 
really having an understanding, particularly with Fort Lauderdale, um, whether or not there will be an agreement. I don't want to uh, weaken our negotiating ability. I don't want the city to think, well, hey, we we can hold them up now on something relating to the convention center or on other unrelated topics because we are so far in. So first, I, that's my first question is, can you comment on that? And by the way, as part of that, my understanding is 10.7 is split roughly 5.52 um, with plans and then the other 5.5 five maybe with the enabling projects. So as you answer my question, do we need to move forward with both of these before we have clearer agreements with the city of Fort Lauderdale? That's my first question. Okay. Um, it's, it's a complex question. That was a big one. Uh, one question in 38 subparts. Yes, sir. <laughs> there, there is a, um, a, a, what I'll call a, a logistical component to your question and a political component to your question. On what I'll call the logistical side, we have worked very closely with the staff at Fort Lauderdale uh, as we progress forward with the design for our facilities. And we have a high degree of confidence that what we're moving forward with is reflective of their priorities. Um, it's uh, some of their priorities as they have admitted to us are sometimes conflicting and we have done our best to address um, uh, their highest priorities and uh, have reviewed. Is that with staff or commissioners? With staff. Okay. okay. Um, and so we have reviewed um, our, our, our evolving designs with them and kept them up to date on them. And uh, they have been, uh, they have expressed uh, comfort with the level that we've been going in. So from a design perspective, uh, I feel comfortable that we're heading in the right direction. Uh, from a political perspective, uh, as you know, the, the city has um, staked out a claim uh, regarding uh, the, um, the, the um, how should I say, the, the status of our DRI and uh, the relationship to traffic patterns within the area. Um, uh, as the DRI was put together, uh, it was based on the traffic patterns at the time and um, how this facility would contribute to the overall traffic load of the area. Um, we continue to have conversations with the city in that regard, uh, and uh, we're doing some great work internally in that regard as well. And I believe based on the conversations we've had with the city and the work that we're doing now, we have struck upon a solution that um, um, should address those concerns and uh, break whatever political logjam might exist. Uh, but uh, as all of you well know, as elected officials, one cannot predict politics. Um, we can only plan it accordingly. And, um, you know, the bottom line is we will move forward uh, um, and uh, do so with earnest. And if we end up hitting a roadblock that we feel is unjust and not consistent with the rules, so to speak, then we will seek whatever remedies are appropriate uh, to uh, address those concerns at that time. And a as you know, particularly you, Commissioner, given the experience that you have in development, 
Um, a developer will try and mitigate their risk as much as they can, uh, but they always, uh, in the political arena, are still going to take some risk because of the unknowns of the type of input that they're going to get from the community and what impact that might have on the opinions of the elected officials who might have expressed one opinion and then uh, turn on a dime and express another. Uh, but we're doing our best to lock in uh, the city and address the concerns that they have expressed. Were the city to express over the next month or five something different, do we have a way of stopping any of this 10.7 million uh, if it should appear that we will, that the city is no longer as positive in yeah, your opinion? It's a great question and, and the short answer is yes. Um, first off, there's a sequence between uh, the conceptual and schematic design. So by the time we bring uh, the, the new concept designs to you, and before we pull the trigger on the schematic, which alone are close to $3 million, mm -hmm. we should have much more clarity uh, regarding some of the questions that you've raised. On the enabling project side, remember that they include concepts, schematic designs, and construction drawings. And it's the construction drawings the that, that really ones. are the expensive ones. We're not going to be anywhere near that point as well. And so we'll have more information well before we start spending the real dollars in this contract. And we have the ability to quote that. Yes, we okay. do. Second question. Um, you said something about if we did, if we were a little larger, we would trigger a larger, more expensive set of requirements under the Florida Building Code. Um, do any of those requirements that you're trying to avoid deal with life safety or hurricane issues? No, it, it's it, this strictly deals with height. And that when a building reaches a certain profile, it kicks in additional requirements on uh, the type of structure, the type of elevators that you use, the type of glazing that you use. We will still conform with every life safety requirement of the Florida Building Code, and uh, our users will not be any less safe in this newer design than they would be in the other design. Thank you. It's, final, it, it, final. Deals with, it really deals with height. Thank you. Final question. Um, the... Um, as I said, right now, my understanding is we have not. I understand there is a JV partner potentially in place, but we haven't finalized anything. Can you assure us that if we're spending, uh, since we don't have a written agreement with anybody on uh, yet on the final ownership, that the plans that we're doing will not be altered? We're not throwing out millions of dollars if it turns out that they substitute a JV partner or in any other fashion the ownership should change or the planning change that we're, the amount of money we're spending on planning will still be um, useful and will not be wasted if we change the ownership uh, or I once we finalize I the ownership. Um, I can assure you that regardless of the ownership structure, uh, all the work that we're doing now is vitally important and needs to happen in order for this project to move forward, regardless of, of ownership structure. We, are, we uh, have negotiated a term sheet, um, and we're doing some additional due diligence on that right now. Um, and uh, we see no reason why um, uh, changes in, in, in that uh, or in the composition of the ownership group would 
lead to any changes in the direction of this project. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner um, Lamarca, followed by Holness. Thank you, Mayor. Um, Alan, just a, so a couple of things with regard to the change. This is, a, this is ultimately the additional space that would get us to roughly call it a million square feet of uh, space, convention center space, um, which is a key number uh, in, in the global bookings or certainly national. Um, I think it's a good idea that the, the con first concern I had when we reviewed this was we're losing that terrace, we're losing that outdoor space, but we have it over at the hotel, we have it certainly at the peninsula and other areas. Um, are, you, are you satisfied there's sufficient area for outdoor meetings, uh, different different things for conferences that will be here based on the design that I'm looking at uh, and that you're looking at right now yes I, okay. I am satisfied that we have enough outdoor programming the, space that that footprint uh, from the extension in the previous drawings is is this is a current uh, aerial photo so just to be clear that that footprint still goes out but it's it's a shorter building um, it's it's a from an elevation perspective it, it potentially could be a shorter building <clears throat> from an extension perspective it could be a little shorter as well okay Would not that, much but it potentially could be okay so that, we're still going to reach out in the direction of the water which was a, a priority that you and your colleagues expressed quite a, a long time ago um, you know but there, there could be some difference this area here where Bellaria is terminal 2 goes that goes away and in other words that uh, just to clarify, Terminal 2 oh. does stay, okay. uh, but Terminal 1, which is the Bellaria, because okay. I, I don't want our, our friends in the no, cruise I industry I, I to think that we're taking down their terminal. But no we problem. are, yes, we are, uh, we still need to uh, demolish Terminal 1. Okay. If we call it 2, we'll see how quick Steve can get here. <laughs> um, okay, so, we're, so, so it'll go out in that area, and if you actually pull it back off the water a bit, you'd actually probably gain a view, a view shed from the hotel or other other areas towards the southeast with the building coming back a little correct. bit correct okay yes okay thank you thank you commissioner uh, holness thank you the area that we're shaving off to the north does that have any meeting space now it it contains two meeting rooms rooms 304 and 305 uh, other than that all the meeting rooms are left intact and we will be replacing that square footage and then some uh, in the new expansion space. Those, so, are, those are the two small rooms? No, they're actually um, two of our larger rooms. Is, is, is that where Fitzy is held? Do, do you know? Um, Fitzy is in our exhibition hall and in, right. and in other meeting rooms. Uh, I'm not sure if it's specifically in 304 or 305. I will have to get back to you on that yeah. question. Because there's a nice view from that uh, second level out from that meeting space. Are we going to – that's so, the concern I have. I, I, I okay, mean, so um, good question. And let me, let me back up and show you one thing, uh, Commissioner. If you look at where, this, where the blue box is, the space that you're talking about and, and the, the public access to that space is contained within the space that arches around the front entrance. Right. And, and that will remain intact. Okay. We're demolishing just north of that space. Okay. So right. we'll be preserving the view shed that you're talking about on both the second and the third floors. All right. Thanks. Uh, on the, uh, the west expansion of the 
convention uh, uh, space. Uh, is that being done simultaneously, or is that going to come later, uh, or will it be done altogether? So we are looking at the possibility, if, if approved today, we would look at the possibility of uh, concurrently expanding to the west and the east. Okay. Uh, and in, in terms of the designs that we're about to uh, um, vote on, we own, we'll own these designs should anything happen and we have to do something different than we're doing now, am I correct? Yes, um, we're, we're obligated to, um, to compensate uh, the design team for any work done to date at that point of termination, but then everything that has been produced to that date becomes the property of Broward County. Okay, all right, thank you. Okay, with that, that concludes the speakers on that item. Mr. Cohen, do you have more? I, I just want to uh, thank, in particular, Mike Kerr from the County Attorney's Office and Steve Hammond uh, from our Public Works Division. The two of them were integrally involved in putting together this design contract, uh, I would say much more so than I was. Um, their expertise was invaluable, and I just want to thank them uh, for their efforts to get us to this point. Uh, with that, Mayor, um, ready for you to consider this motion. Thank you. Okay. So at this time, um, thank you, Mr. Cohn, for the presentation. I'm going to open it up for the public hearing, a public portion of this. And I have only one speaker that signed up prior to the item being heard, and that's Mr. Russell Rand. Mr. Rand, could you please make your way to the podium? Maybe. Maybe? Okay. Did you say baby? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call you baby. <laughs> just as a, I'm mesmerized, just as a casual observer and being a, you know, a common average person. Uh, you know, I, how many times have you been through this and all? This whole idea of a public-private, that's a hard thing to do, and you just went through a whole mess with the courthouse, which was just a public, not a private. So everybody has different ideas of what, you know, the, the public wants the biggest Taj Mahal, I mean the private, and the public wants you to have, you know, the Holiday Inn or something. I'm just saying, not a Motel 6. But, uh, you know, and this whole idea, you know, the more you change this, these are moving pieces as you're going along, so it gets further and further whatever the original uh, call was. Um, I didn't hear the word hurricane maybe once or whatever, or disaster. And I've, as I've talked to you for 10 years and written to you for 30, 40 years, and you have a disaster plan that I think is a planned disaster. I've always said that. So when you look at the impact of what's just happened, I mean, these things happen. This is what I'm talking about. So originally, Irma was supposed to skirt Cuba and a direct hit on here, but because it impacted Cuba, it took a little left turn. Uh, it went in the supposedly the Everglades, then the West Coast, but they got jammed up good, and they're you know ten times less than we are here. I always talk about the, you know, those tanks are sitting right there, and oil and water don't mix, and you, how you prepare and what's going to happen is going to be an incredible thing. So again, you're trying to jam something in, shoehorn it into the smallest thing, and none of you, maybe non-Maryland markers, you know, uh, familiar with the construction aspects and all. So you're trying to figure out what's going on. So you have like a, a the biggest beautiful birthday cake, you know, wrapped in the biggest packaging and all, and then the devil's in the details of how that works out and all. So, um, you know, it just causes uh, concern how that's going to go. 
um, uh, this idea of just moving things around, you know, that you've got to destroy and demolish and change the roads and all. This, this is the kind of thing that, you know, ends up being like the courthouse thing where all of a sudden design change or whatever. So it's going to be further and further down the road. How that's going to work out, I don't know. How this parking and access, that's an er a really tough thing. And because the bridge there is so high, and they debated this 25 years ago whenever they did the bridge, that slows down the traffic there. So you're going to jam all the traffic. This is going to be pretty much of a nightmare uh, in, in a way, but unless people are you know, riding their skateboards around. And this idea that if you're appealing to the, you know, the Fat Cats Association convention from Wall Street or whatever, you know, and we know how that went with the, with the Great Recession. It was a bust time because of the hurricanes, and now you're into a boom time. Now we're busting because of the hurricanes. And I don't want to increase the taxes either on me or my friends. Thank you. Okay, that was the only speaker I had on public. Um, that's closed now. Back to this dais. I'm going to ask for a motion on items B, C, D, F, and G all together. Okay. Yes. Actually, um, we, we do have uh, presentations for items F and G uh, still. Okay. I'm sorry. Mr. They're brief. They're and brief. When I say, do you have more? And you say no, I that did means not, I, that gives me the green light to move on. I apologize, Mayor. Okay. So do you, <laughs> would you like to give us our presentations then? Okay. And, and you, have, you have, I believe, acted on B and C already. Uh, no, we have not. No? No. We wanted to hear from ah, the That's right. Silly me. So basically what I'm doing again, Mr. Cohen. Yes, ma'am. I have two after more. after your presentations, I am going to ask this day as for a motion on B, C, D, F, and G, and then E separately so that Commissioner Udine can do what he needs to do. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. So. Before lunch. Yes, right? ma'am. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Flag presentation. The next item is the flag presentation. Uh, and let me pull that up for you right now. And I believe, I believe that is it. Peter? Nope. That is not it. The next one? Okay. I got you. There we go. Okay. Okay. All yours. Good afternoon. I will be very, very brief so we can get to lunch after this. My name is Peter Strebel, and I'm with Omni Hotels and Resorts, and we're very excited to be here today to talk to you about our brand and our company. Um, a little bit about us. We're based in Dallas, Texas. We uh, own and operate 54 hotels and resorts in North America, three here in the state of Florida. Um, we also operate in 41 markets in 22 states, Mexico and Canada. A third of our portfolio is our convention collection. We have a very strong um, presence in the meetings industry in North America. So just a couple of projects I'll mention is our Omni Nashville Hotel, which is across the street uh, from the brand new convention center that was built there several years ago. We have the Omni Atlanta Hotel CNN Center, which is attached to the Georgia World Congress Center, which is one of the top five in size convention centers in the United States. We're adjacent to the San Diego Convention Center, attached to the Dallas Convention Center, where that hotel is owned by the city of Dallas, and it was developed by Matthew Southwest and managed by us, Omni Hotels. Uh, we're in Fort Worth, Texas, across the street from the Convention Center, and then in Providence, Rhode Island, adjacent to and attached to the Convention Center. 
In addition, we have a really robust pipeline. We have three convention projects under construction or in development as we speak. On the right, you'll see Louisville. Uh, Louisville is doing a, um, a whole reimagination of their convention center, much like you're, you're looking at doing. And that will open up in March of next year. It's a 600-room hotel a block away from their convention center. And then we have two projects in the development stage, which are very exciting. One's in Boston, uh, almost 1,100 rooms across the street and connected to the Boston Convention Center in that new uh, Southport area. And then we also are under development in Oklahoma City for a 600-room hotel. And they're actually building a whole brand-new convention center and a new park and the 600-room hotel we are going to be owning and operating. A little bit about our loyalty program. Uh, we have five million loyal members that are very supportive of Omni Hotels and Resorts, and they generate 47% of our room nights. Additionally, we have a strong presence internationally. We're part of an organization called the Global Hotel Alliance, which operates a loyalty program called Discovery, and it has 10 million members, and we operate in 76 countries with almost 600 hotels and resorts. The couple things I want you to remember about Omni Hotels, number one is our service. Um, since we either own or manage all of our hotels, all of the 22,000 associates that work for Omni work for Omni. Uh, so we believe in a culture of customers come first. Uh, we're always ranked at the top of J.D. Powers. We've won seven times in the last 15 years. We just won a great award from Forrester as the number one in customer experience index in 2017 in our segment. Also, our readers and travelers um, say great things about Omni. We recently, 21 of our properties won best in class across the world in 15 different categories. Several of those were in Florida, not to mention our resort in Orlando, as well as Amelia Island. And the other different point about Omni is really our belief in local color. When we work with Matthew Southwest and the architectural firms and the design firms, this hotel will look and feel like Broward County. It'll look and feel like South Florida. We don't have two hotels that look alike. Our, our, our plan is to really make this so when people come to this hotel, they feel like they're in Broward County, they feel like they're in Fort Lauderdale, they feel like they're in South Florida, not that they're just at any other hotel. So there's no two Omnis alike. We call it local color. And I'll give you just a couple examples. On the top right, you'll see in the Omni Nashville Hotel, instead of doing just your regular Starbucks coffee shop, we partnered, partnered with a local owner who owns a, um, a, a coffee store there called Bongo Java. He started his business on the campus of Vanderbilt University. So we have him in our hotel, so we feature a very local experience. On the bottom right, in Louisville, Kentucky, when we went to Louisville to build our hotel there, we went with the premise of... Um, horses and the derby and we left with bourbon bridges and water so the whole interior design package of the hotel reflects a lot of water elements a lot of the bridges over the rivers and the whole influence of bourbon so thank you for letting us chat and uh, we're very excited about this project and hope that we can move forward thank you thank you thank you Peter for a Fast-paced presentation. There you go. Colorful. Yes, very okay. colorful. Ready. All right. Any questions on F? You you have questions right now on F? Okay. You want to do F now? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, we have questions on F from Commissioner Geller and Commissioner Holness. Okay. Um, Mr. Cohn? No, to you. Okay. Okay. Um, I assume that all of the other commissioners have received 
same letter I have from one of the unions dealing with the issue of labor peace. Um, my understanding from speaking with you is that although there can't be a signed agreement until we finalize all of the details, we have a contract with Omni and they and we have a contract with the finalized owners, et cetera, that there can't be that signed agreement. It's my understanding from you that there is uh, a negotiated labor agreement, labor peace agreement in place. Can you clarify that? Because at some point in time, uh, I think this entire commission is on record, or almost all of it, I don't know, I think all of it, that we want that labor peace agreement in place. Can you deal with that issue? Yes, sir. Um, uh, Omni has negotiated a labor peace agreement uh, with one of uh, the labor, labor unions out there. Um, I, I point that out because there might be others that are interested in, um, in engaging in, in this market. Okay. And I'm, I'm sorry. Was it? Okay. No, no, go keep, keep going. All right. And um, Omni cannot unilaterally sign that agreement. It needs to do so with the ownership group. Uh, so once, uh, once we move forward and make a final decision on that, then uh, they will all be in a position. So uh, we do have an assurance that prior to opening or whatever the timing is that and whatever the union is that there will be a labor peace agreement between the hotel operator in this case. I, I can do better than that. Yes. I, I can do better and tell you that we will not bring a comprehensive development agreement to you without having a signed labor peace agreement. You've answered my question. Thank, Thank you. you. All righty. Commissioner Holness followed by Commissioner Ryan. That was one of my questions, but the other one I have is for Omni. Really great report on uh, how good your company is. But let me ask you this question. How are you on inclusiveness of the diversity of communities that you operate in, uh, in terms of one, staffing, but not just at the lower level, at your management level, and also on contracting opportunities and supplier diversity opportunities? We actually excel in that area. I don't have the specific statistics with me, but I can get them for you. We have done several public-private partnerships with the city of Dallas, with the city of Nashville, city of Louisville, and all of those we have exceeded our MWBE requirements for the construction phase and development phase. And then we've also exceeded all of our requirements for the staff guidelines as far as um, diversity um, in, the, in managers and hiring levels. So I can get you all that statistics. I hear meeting requirements, I'm not hearing there's a culture that exists within the organization to make sure this is there beyond someone requiring you to do it. We have a, uh, our Omni has, is founded on six core principles and one of them is local market leadership. Um, so when we come into a market, as I kind of mentioned before, we really want to become involved in the community, get involved with the politics, get involved with the people. We encourage our hotels, general managers, and management staff to volunteer. Uh, one of the big initiatives that we do at Omni is we work with a, a global organization called Feeding America, and we contribute money to local food banks to help the um, help uh, end hunger in America. So we are very, very open. We, we are, have a, a culture that is a family-driven, local-owned business that really 
goes into the local communities and works with local local communities to make them better. Thank. I, I hear you again saying charity, and I'm not asking about your charitable contributions. I'm, ask, I'm asking about your culture as it uh, encompasses inclusiveness of the diversity of the communities you serve with your staffing, but not stopping there, going to your supplier diversity and inclusiveness in your contracting opportunities. I, I think that, Mr. Cohen, uh, we ought to have uh, Mr. McDonald, who's our small business uh, director, have some conversations on how we can assist this company if we are to vote on it today in ensuring that they're reaching out to the diversity of Broward County in contracting and supplier opportunities. We also, with all of our, I failed to mention, with once we operate the hotel, we also work very closely to make sure that we involve all the local community, as diverse as they are, to bring in the purveyors and the operators and the employees and the other companies that will help us with this hotel. Again, we have all statistics on that that I'd be more than happy to share with you on some of our other projects. Thank you. All right. Commissioner Holness, are you done? Okay. Commissioner Ryan? If we could have the representative from the Omni come back. We might as well just stand up there until, until we, get, we finish with item uh, F. Uh, we had presentations by the, uh, the new design team and also the architects, and I, I know you, you were closely attuned to that. Uh, they, they spoke about uh, integrating the amenities and, and, and what draws people to South Florida to, to the hotel and to the surrounding area. Um, when I look at what you have in Florida, you know, it's not a, a good comparison with Orlando because everything is Disney there in Orlando. So you have a, a Jacksonville hotel, and then you have the Amelia Island uh, resort. Now, that Amelia Island one seems to me that would be more thematic with this whole seaside atmosphere. Uh, what do you, I mean, since you operate that now, what would you draw from that Amelia Island um, uh, resort that you may incorporate here? I mean, I know that it's not, you know, a single hotel, but it's rather it's, a, it's spread out. It's got a golf course and the rest of it. But what would you what would you bring from there uh, to South Florida? Well, I think what we bring really to every hotel that we go into, and that's why they're all unique, is we would spend a lot of time in your community. Um, I mean, when we went to build uh, the hotel in Louisville, we spent several weeks there with 20, 30 Omni executives really understanding what is in that community. So we brought to life coffee shops, and, and, and our, our color comes in, in the way we design the guest rooms, in the way we do the interior design, the lobbies, and also the way we program our food and beverage. So I can't answer the question today because we would want it to be totally unique for this part of, part of the country, but we would work with the design firm, uh, the interior design firm, and spend a lot of time here in Broward County um, looking at what you have and how we can bring some of these nuances to life. We were here a couple weeks ago or about a couple months ago and um, two of our colleagues spent a week here and they found things like Fat City and, and some of the, um, the, um, um, the, not the zoo, but the, um, we have the beautiful exhibit of the um, uh, flamingos and just we want to really get to know your area and bring what it would be like. So for example, Orlando really is not a Disney-ish hotel. We wanted to create something non-Disney there because we felt like that people wanted to get away from Disney, so we created an escape there. 
in North Florida, uh, as you mentioned, Amelia Island, that's more of a nature preserve. It has walking trails. It has a lots of, we use lots of woods. So it takes us really a lot of time to get to know the market. And that's really what sets us apart with other brands. Other brands come in, take their preset formula and build a hotel when the guest room looks exactly the same in every city. But we're going to spend time here getting to know you, getting to know the people who operate your museums, your universities, all your businesses to kind of find out what makes this place special. That, that's a good idea. I don't know if this works within your analysis, but uh, perhaps if you had uh, some focus groups with, with some local residents to kind of gather what, uh, what their interests and concerns are. And then, of course, with our uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau, uh, I mean, they're doing, spend a large amount of our budget on advertising. So I think you could pick up much on the, you know, th the thematic message by uh, speaking to, is it our Executive Director, Stacy Ritter, and uh, her team? Yeah, I've been in touch with Stacy already. I know Stacy. So uh, can't wait to get chosen so we can get into the market and really start spending some time here. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> Other questions? Uh, Commissioner Lamarca? Just briefly, if I, if I might, I had, the, um, I had the privilege of going to, your, going to uh, Fort Worth a couple of years ago for an annual conference, and we're actually going to be in Nashville next summer with the National Association of Counties. And uh, I chose to stay in the historic uh, Hilton Hotel where JFK stayed the day before he uh, un unfortunately, was was taken from us. So uh, my visits to the Omni were, were with, with some of the other uh, attendees, some of our folks from around the state of Florida, and it was nice. It was a very nice hotel. Um, it uh, I recall it had a had a Fort Worth theme, yeah. uh, but but upscale. You know, it had a, had a Western theme, but without being uh, cheesy at all. Um, I didn't have the opportunity to go into the to the Omni in in Dallas, but. Uh, it's next time I'm out there, I definitely will. But so I, I think the products are, are excellent. I mean, and, and I mean, one of the questions that was that was asked, I think, uh, or that was talked about, Commissioner Holness was talking about local participation. I think I, my perception is that's going to obviously that's going to be in operations, but more in the construction. You were you were now you're talking about the operation. No, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, but so from a uh, from a standpoint of the of the brand, I mean, I think it's 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 important that. The hotel does all the things it needs to do and also has that, that character, that flair. Um, maybe spend, have your folks spend a little bit of time at the port. I know maybe in, in Boston Harbor that there are other places or Louisiana that's different. Um, but outside of the, the, the freight and petroleum business we have there, there's, uh, it's, cruise is a big part of that and, and those type of things. So, um, no, I'm, I'm excited about the brand because it's not here and it is upscale. Um, and just, you know, maybe maybe uh, share with us as you get uh, ideas. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so um, uh, Omni has just, um, for, for memory, okay. I'm sorry, were there more? Yes. There's one more, ah. Commissioner Holness. Yes. Okay. Uh, we set a, a goal of 30% participation for local small businesses, which really, yes, which encompasses uh, the diversity of Broad County. Uh, last week, we, we, we voted to have our attorney uh, draft uh, ordinances that gets us to 25% on a regular basis. Uh, 
you call the folks purveyors in, in your statement just now. I'm looking for suppliers and contractors. And yes, Commissioner Lamarca, I'm not talking about the construction piece. I'm talking about after it's operating. Uh, because the good folks of Broad County, all of us, are going to be putting an investment into this project. We already make right here $10.8 million, and that's coming from all of us. So I want to make sure that all of Broad County benefits from this, and oftentimes that's not what occurs. Uh, and I, I want a commitment from you before I vote. Uh, your brand is great, no problem with that, that you will be committed <coughs> to ensuring that there is inclusiveness of the diversity of Broward County and our small businesses are benefiting from you being here. I totally understand and we definitely are totally committed if we get this project to be involved and employ and to contribute to this community and work with your your um, skilled labor, work with the purveyors, work with the companies that will support us once we open the hotel. We've done this consistently in other cities, and I think that's one of the reasons why um, we got to this point today, is we are a local business. Um, we are a smaller company than our competition, and we spend time in our local communities. It's not all directed from the corporate office. So we will, I promise that we will be very involved. We will be as inclusive as we can. Uh, it'll be a top goal of ours as we start working with the construction company on this hotel and operate this hotel. Because again, we want to be part of your community. We want to we be accepted by everybody. And uh, we, you know, we feel when you're a good neighbor is when good things happen. Okay, and, and, and hopefully we can get uh, some sort of a goal put in place that uh, is reachable. Uh, for, for them to attain? Um, Mr. Cohen? Um, that's that's a, a, a future discussion for this body, sir. Uh, it's, it's something that you and I have talked about, and I understand, and um, we, would, we, we would like to have that conversation. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Mayor, we've reached 1230. Uh, motion to extend for 10 minutes. All those in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. And I Mr. will make Cohen. it brief, Mayor. So uh, for members of the general public, Omnia seemingly has popped out of nowhere, and I just wanted to point out that an extensive vetting process occurred uh, over uh, the course of many months. There were uh, in-person interviews, uh, several rounds of those interviews. Um, Matthew Southwest led that effort, but I personally attended all of those meetings to ensure that uh, what was happening was objective and, and not steered towards just a, a business perspective, but an overall community perspective as well. Um, it's uh, staff's recommendation uh, to support Matthew's request that they enter into exclusive negotiations with Omni, and, and uh, on the screen are some of the many reasons why. Uh, they do have a critical mass of, of convention center hotels, which is important in this day and age for the meeting planner community. Uh, that likes to negotiate multi-year deals with uh, hotel chains. Uh, they have an experiential-based loyalty program, uh, which is more cutting-edge than many of their other competitors. They consistently have a great reputation and are winning awards year in, year out. They're essentially bringing uh, what is a four-and-a-half diamond product. We asked for a four, and it's, it's just a notch above a, a what a lot of other folks in the market are offering. 
As you have already heard, they tailor their design to the local market. There's no other Omni product in South Florida, and that's important. When meeting planners call a hotel chain and say, I want to do a meeting in South Florida, what do you have for me? Omni's going to say, we have Broward County. Uh, another hotel chain would say, we have dozens of choices for you to make. Uh, so it puts us in a much better position. They directly manage all of their properties. They do not engage third-party management companies. So what you heard about the company and what you know of the company is implemented on a day-to-day -day basis. And lastly, part of their business model is over-programming their space. So a lot of hotels might have one restaurant and one lobby bar. They'll bring in several different restaurants and, and other uh, retail entertainment establishments and over-program that part and it's in part a way, a way to cater to the local community and actually bring in more local business. Uh, and they have a, a, an unusual, for example, rate of staycations in the communities that they're in because folks really enjoy uh, what those offerings are. For all of those reasons and their consistency with the goals that you have established and we have been working for, uh, we're uh, making this recommendation. Lastly, I just wanted to touch on the um, the penny tax, uh, this board through its workshops uh, has already expressed uh, support for that. I just wanted to point out from a competitive, competitiveness perspective how an increase in the penny tax um, places us. We're currently uh, ranked out of the top 150 urban markets. We're currently at 133, I believe, uh, at 12 cents, uh, excuse me, at 11 percent, and the 11 percent is the six cent sales tax and the five cent bed tax. Adding the additional penny moves us up to 12 percent. That would uh, bring us up to a rank of 114, uh, which means that there are 113 other large urban markets that have a higher um, lodging tax rate than our market will. So we're still in very good stead. It would put us equal with Tampa and St. Petersburg, a half cent behind Orlando, and a full penny behind Miami. Uh, so looking at our local neighborhood and looking at nationally, uh, we still remain very competitive uh, by adding this additional penny. With that, Mayor, I am completely done with all aspects of my presentation, and I'm happy to entertain any other questions that you or your colleagues might have. Thank you. Commissioner Lamarca? Thank you, Alan, and, and I think it's important that and you explained it, but that folks know that uh, when, when you look at that whole, that entire percentage, that uh, six cents is, is sales tax. Um, a history of our, brief history of our sales tax, our uh, hospitality tax or bed tax was three cents prior to the arena, two cents added on for the arena. That's why we got to the five, and we have the ability to raise one more cent before we have a, we have to deal with the legislature, as I understand. Um, so two things on this. Number one, I'm supporting this. It's a, it's a user fee, basically, and it's the only way that we can expand our convention center hotel. Uh, alternatively, uh, we could do it uh, with bonds, and we could do it by raising uh, taxes on people that live in homes here in Broward County, which I don't think is the, is the way to do it. So I think this is the way to do it. Tying this into our other items, and this is just to uh, direct it to come back to, a, to another meeting, I want to see this. I want to vote on this at the same time we've, that we have a deal. In other words, I don't want to raise our bed tax with any 
any concern or fear whatsoever that the possibility that this deal somehow, and I know it won't, it won't because Mr. Matthews has a tie on today, so it can't fall apart, but <laughs> I don't want to tie this to, I don't want this to be uh, separate. I want it to be tied to the success of at least the agreement of the deal. Understood. Thank you. Commissioner Holness. Yes, and, and, and I have a different view. I think one way or the other we must do this. So whether it's this deal or some other way, it needs to be done. If Based on the rankings that you've showed us, we're more than competitive in the marketplace for our size comparing to other, uh, other, other locations. We ought not tie our hands now and wait any longer. The people of Broward County needs a convention center hotel built so that we can recapture some of those uh, economic opportunities that we have lost. Uh, this, this is not necessarily about Matthews or this deal. It's about the people of Broad County uh, wanting to move forward. And, 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 and everyone I speak to that understands this process and understand what we need to do here is in support of it. Uh, so we ought not wait on, on, on doing this. I think we ought to move forward now. Uh, and, and be prepared and plan if, again, this is the fourth time we're out there. Somehow this uh, Board of Commission, I believe, are committed to making this happen some way or the other. And again, great if we have matches, but if we don't, let's make this happen. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay, so at this time I'm going to ask for a motion um, on items B, C, D, F, and G. I'll move the items. So all those in favor of items B, C, D, F, and G, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that that passes 8-0. Um, on the item E, can I have a motion, Some please? All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All those opposed? Let the record show that that passes 7 with one abstention. Commissioner Udine, come on back. All right. I'm back. Guys, it's now 12.39 p.m., and I have one item left on the agenda, which is Commissioner Holness's item, item 37. Um, at this time, well, uh, it'll be up to you. What would you like for me to do? Another 15? Okay, I have a motion on the floor to extend another 15 minutes. All in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed, let the record show that we'll be extended for another 15 minutes. That'll take us to 12.55. Thank you right. very much. But for God's grace, uh, we could have been in the position that some of our neighbors in the islands and our fellow citizens in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands are in today. <coughs> Hit with a Category 5 storm that pretty much devastated these islands. Uh, that were already not doing well economically, at least some of them weren't. The island of Puerto Rico, Barbuda, Barbuda, Dominica, Cuba, Haiti, Dominican Republic, Antigua, to a lesser extent, but definitely Puerto Rico, Barbuda, and Dominica, and, and the Virgin Islands were hit very hard with this hurricane that just went by. Uh, we responded very well uh, to the two st storms that hit the mainland with resources being prepositioned, and, and the fact that we have landmass contiguous to these areas was easy. I think in the case of Puerto Rico especially, 
the Virgin Islands, to some lesser extent, uh, our response hasn't been what it ought to be. It's not as robust. Uh, what we have in front of you, uh, fellow commissioners, is something to ask our national government to really put more resources in. And I know resources are going in now. It's a little bit late that's going in, but I still think that we can do more than we're doing uh, by putting more assets in place. Uh, there's security issues that are concerning to those uh, cities in terms of law enforcement that is already now popping up. People are still having a tough time uh, finding good medical care. Uh, we have assets as a nation that we can put in place, uh, such as the Abram Lincoln, uh, to, to move these folks forward uh, to a place where they can at least have a better support. The, the infrastructure is being damaged uh, in a great way. And, and I ask that you support all residents in Broward County, and we have many uh, residents from Puerto Rico and, and other of these islands living here uh, that would reach out to us to say, hey, be our voice, because they don't have the voice that we have to, to reach and to impact on a national level. Uh, this is what this item brings about. It asks for us to actually uh, pass a resolution asking uh, for um, more support to be put in place as soon as possible to help, especially Puerto Rico and the rest of these islands. Uh, I, I want to give out a couple of uh, websites that you could probably go to uh, give support outside of what we're asking for here if you want to do something individually. Uh, there's Puerto Rico, or United for Puerto Rico, and that's a number that can be reached at 202-800-3133 uh, to offer support there. Uh, and they have a website, prfaa.pr.gov, United for Puerto Rico. There are other groups also, of course, such as the Red Cross and redcross.org, uh, UNICEF, uh, unicef.org, One America Appeal at oneamericaappeal.org, Catholic uh, Relief Services, uh, support.crs.org, and slash donate slash Hurricane Irma Relief. Uh, and Hurricane uh, Maria. Thank you. Okay, at this time, I have a speaker from the public. So I have Mr. Rand. Could you please come to the podium? Thank you. I've been speaking about this for decades and decades and decades and decades and it's falling on deaf ears all the time, all the time, all the time. I talk about an <laughs> atomic bomb hitting and that's what's gone on here. Um, of course the military should be put in charge. You, that This is such a, a screw up all around. Uh, Brock Long only yesterday, FEMA administrator said this is the greatest uh, logistical challenge in United States history and the military can do logistical yeah. challenges okay. but it can't do this heavy lift this way uh, if somebody's been commenting that like 
we did the Normandy landings and, uh, you know, rebuilt Europe or whatever. But there were contingency plans for years on the, on the D-Day landing, literally. And there's no real plan for the military to go into an island like this and all. We're good at blowing stuff up and killing people around the planet, but this is unprecedented and all. Uh, you're right about, you know, uh, Harvey did a, an incredible number that's going to take years. Just the idea of it bankrupting us. That uh, Harvey, the numbers are $190 billion or whatever. The, who knows what Irma is, which luckily it missed us directly or whatever. But this is like a huge number. And then Puerto Rico is a huge number, a huge number. And the entire military budget is $600 billion. And these three storms in a row are going to approach that. And I always talk about boxing because it's the, the faint and the stab and then the one, two, and then, then you're down on the count. And that's what's gone, gone on with three in a row unprecedented hurricanes of this strength and all. And then... Um, that it hit there of all places. They're not prepared for this. And people are talking about, well, get helicopters, blah, 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 like Haiti. Haiti's flat, and when there's no trees on Haiti, so you could get helicopters in and all. But Puerto Rico, what I learned in Connecticut 62 years ago, you can't land a helicopter on a pitched roof. So that's why the helicopters had to hover there. People literally lift, lift, holding onto the rungs and then coming up and falling into the water. Wave goodbye to the people, my father said. And then you can't land in Puerto Rico with all the trees down and all. If you can find a baseball diamond, maybe somewhere in the mountains. But it's a logistical problem, and you can't carry enough food with stuff with a helicopter. And you can't just drop it down because they become bombs. And you can't put parachutes on them because helicopters are too low to the ground, and the parachute won't open. So you've got a high plane with parachutes that's going to fly over and just drop this stuff out in the middle of nowhere. They wouldn't even get to it and all. So this is an incredible logistical nightmare. And yeah, if they can cut down through the trees and build roads and stuff, they're good at this. But it's going to take weeks and months and all. By then, everybody's talking, the doctors are talking, this is going to be an enormous death uh, scenario in the mountains in the interior of Puerto Rico that's cut off. And you can't move without uh, roads, without chainsaws and things. You need this stuff. And until you get the military, yeah, it's going to take weeks and months. They're not prepared for something like this. But they should have been prepared. This is what I'm talking about. And if you don't understand, how are they going to understand? I've been talking to you for decades, right? Thank you. Okay, back to this day as I had Commissioner Lamarca. Thank no? you, Mayor. Good gracious. I've only had the benefit of seven years, not decades, but... Mr. Rand, I, I follow what you say, I listen to what you say, and there's, there's, uh, there's some valuable information in there always. Um, but what I would say is uh, one of your comments was that we're good at blowing, peop blowing people up and, and destroying places. Um, we're good at blowing up terrorists, Nazis, uh, tyrannical leaders who uh, hurt their own people. What we are as a humanitarian country, our military um, has, has been at the doorstep of many, many countries, especially island nations, to deliver services. But what I, I, I'm going to support this item uh, that Commissioner Holm has put on, um, but it seems somewhat uh, after the fact. Let me read you something. The U.S. military, which has poured thousands of troops into the relief effort, named Lieutenant General Jeffrey Buchanan, he's a three-star general, on Thursday to oversee the response on the island. That was five days after the storm left. Buchanan, Army Chief of the United States Military's Northern Command, was expected to arrive in Puerto Rico until later than Thursday. It'll be the Pentagon's main liaison with FEMA, the U.S. government's led agency on the island. Focus of aid dis distribution, the Pentagon said in a statement, and FEMA already has placed the Army Corps of Engineers in charge of rebuilding the island's crippled power grid, which, was, which posed one of the island's biggest challenges after the storm. Uh, there's, there's multiple, we have multiple 
military installations on the island of Puerto Rico. Roosevelt Roads Naval Facility is there. There are a lot of people who are already on the DOD side uh, administering aid. Um, clearly, I think we're going to continue to increase that until a lot of this is, is, is uh, built back up. Um, one of the challenges, and I don't know if this is to, to Mr. Rand's point, lack of preparation, I don't know if it's a lack of preparation or lack of resources to prepare. When a country's $80 billion in debt and they don't have an infrastructure that can sustain a bad traditional storm, what are they gonna do when a 150 mile plus storm hits their, hits their shores? What I would say, uh, we, we are there, we are, we are working, and what I would say, um, I don't know who listens to what, for news stations, but the mayor of Guaynabo, uh, Mr. Uh, Otero, uh, has been working with FEMA. Many, many, many other mayors in, on the island nation, our, our uh, territory of Puerto Rico, have been working with the United States federal government on a lot of things. There is, uh, there is some, uh, on, on both sides, I would say, to be fair, politics being played with, with, a, with a natural disaster, and that's unfortunate. Uh, but our folks are there. I'm going to support this just because it's our, it just reinforces what is being, what is already being done by uh, our, our federal military and FEMA and uh, Army Corps of Engineers. So um, it, it, it's, a good, it's a good wish item, and I hope uh, that somebody there in the White House reads it. Thank you. Okay. Um, that, yep, Commissioner Udine. Sorry. I'm going to support this as well. Um, without, I think that this is a smart thing to send out without getting into any of the response criticisms or it's just important that we do that and you know as a county you were there this morning we have we have scrambled when we've been asked to scramble to do what we can I know the school board has is going to start to get the same type of those things thrown at them too I mean this will also inevitably inevitably be a social service issue for Broward County because you're going to have a lot of people here and I think that it's important to show our support because we're going to be asked to be doing similar types of things yeah it may not be chainsaws and roads but these people are going to be coming here and they're going to need the county the school board local municipality and our charitable groups assistance so i wholeheartedly support this and i'm glad that you brought this and added this as an agenda item commissioner rich yeah um well i would like to get into the political part of it but i'm not going to but what i would like to say is that i thoroughly support this because if there's one thing that we need, there is uh, compassion and empathy for these people. And that is what people in our community are doing. Uh, unfortunately, some of the things that have been said uh, have not followed along with uh, the, the needed empathy for the humanitarian disaster that's taking place in that country. So anything we can do to help, I support. So thank you for bringing oh, it forward. Please. Susan. Okay, is that it? Okay. All those in favor of item 37, signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Let the record show that the resolution, um, the request for resolution passes unanimously. Okay, with that, commissioners, that concludes our agenda. I am going to, at this time, take commission comments, and I know Commissioner Geller wanted to go first, so I'm going to go ahead and let you go first, Mr. Commissioner Geller. Uh, uh, two very quick, number one, just... If anybody cares, I'm having a town meeting tonight, Cooper City. Um, the other issue is uh, to the county administrator. Um, we have, and it, actually it's following up on this. Ms. Henry, you and I previously discussed the issue in, in Puerto Rico. It's my understanding that Broward is, in fact, 
actually going to be doing something, sending direct resources. What you and I had discussed, and I want to find out if we can follow up on that, um, you had said that we could do something to make Broward, to make it available for Broward County employees who voluntarily choose to, to make direct contributions to Puerto Rico that you could authorize in some fashion. We had discussed the Red Cross, which I'm not, candidly, I'm not sure if that is the best organization, because I would want to make sure people in Puerto Rico are U.S. citizens that are being, not being treated as U.S. citizens. So I feel strongly about making sure whatever we do is targeted specifically to Puerto Rico. But can you comment? I personally will be happy to contribute. Can you comment on the possibility that we discussed of making this available or encouraging Broward County employees to make voluntary contributions? Uh, yes, um, Senator. We were um, um, faced with uh, a number of storms back in the 2005-2004 um, uh, era, and the board authorized at that time that if we wanted to have a special relief um, um, donation program, we can do that, and they designated the, the uh, Red Cross as the entity given that Red Cross at that time specifically indicated that you can designate where those resources go. So it wouldn't go into the big general fund of Red Cross. You can say this is specifically for, in this case, Puerto Rico. To go outside of that, I would need additional authority, but um, um, it would be my intent to extend the invitation to the employees to make a contribution. And I know that you mentioned some others, but I don't, we'd have to do a little research on them uh, initially. But um, right now, I have the ability to do Red Cross and specifically designate it for Puerto Rico or the Virgin Islands. And you will have the ability, when will you be able to get out a notice on that to all Broward employees? Today. Thank you. I'm done, Madam Mayor. Okay, Commissioner Rich. I, I just wanted to add the Virgin Islands because they are yes. American citizens also. And uh, every, all the direction is being to Puerto Rico, but they have had incredible devastation there as well. So I just wanted to add that. I'll, yes. I'll get back to mine. Thank you. Okay. And uh, so I'm going to do the mayor's report really quickly. One, um, yes, I was at the port today, this morning, um, when Royal Caribbean brought in a ship, a ship with um, over 3,100 evacuees. Um, it, things went very orderly. Our emergency operations um, manager, Miguel, and his team were manning the convention center to make sure that the passengers who did not have arrangements had some place to stay and they were taken care of. There are a total of 40 of those types of passengers out of the 30, over 3,100. Um, the rest um, embarked on flights as well as car travel and um, the president was uh, of Royal Caribbean was there on hand, Michael. He was very happy um, that Broward County could step up and assist during this effort. And um, he sends regards and he said, thank you. Um, I can tell you that um, it was very moving to be there. And um, on behalf of the board, um, I think that this is, this is one of those moments where, you know, Broward County shines because we work collaboratively with our partners. And so I just want to thank you all for that opportunity and to say that um, I spoke with, in speaking with the president of Royal Caribbean, he stated that they are uh, sending another ship 
full of supplies there and um, that they are not expecting to have more evacuees come here, but that um, whatever they need to do, they will and they'll keep us abreast of that. Um, I did have a, 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 de a kind of a debriefing on Hurricane Irma, but since so much has happened in between, I think I'll just um, uh, skip that for now. Um, Commissioner Rich? I just wanted to add one thing, that I think one of the reasons that we do shine is because of our human services mm -hmm. and because of the amount of money that we put in, I think, I think over $160 million, $70 million. And we have programs, we have ways to help people. And that is, I'm very proud of that. And I think, you know, that we all, we all should. And uh, uh, I'm happy that Royal Caribbean did such an incredible job that we, they only had such a small group that actually needed assistance after they got here because they had everything organized with airports and rental cars and you know, everything people needed. But the truth is that if people come to Broward County and need help, we have services that can help them and get them uh, in the right place. Um, and including our school district, by the way, which I understand, um, since I have a little inside scoop from, <laughs> yeah, right, that uh, uh, they, they have been right on top of this and ready for any children that come here uh, and to get them right into schools. So that's an additional uh, plus for our community. So that was my next sentence, which is part of the schools. Um, so we had about 1,500 or so passengers on that ship and um, that we're going to be staying right here in Broward County and um, we are going to have to um, have them uh, transferred into schools in Broward County. And so that is something that they're working um, with the school board on. But, it, but the beauty of it is, is that everything has been worked out um, prior to their arrival and I think that um, uh, Royal Caribbean is to be commended for that. Um, at this time, I'm gonna go ahead and take the other commissioner's reports. Commissioner Holness. Thank you. Well, October 17th and 18th, we'll again host for the third year, Florida's International Trade and Cultural Expo at the Broad Convention Center in Greater Fort Lauderdale, 1950 Eisenhower Boulevard, right out of our convention center. This year, FITSI has over 50 countries participating and the following confirmed dignitaries. U.S. Congresswoman Frederica Wilson, His Excellency Alvaro Colon, former president of Guatemala, His Excellency Carlos Mesa, former president of Bolivia, the Honorable Erwin Contreras, Minister of International Trade and Petroleum for Belize, the Honorable Gaynell Roll, Undersecretary of Finance for the Bahamas, the Honorable Delroy Williams, Mayor of Kingston, Jamaica. The Honorable Manuel Macias, Mayor of Mayor Flores, Peru. And many council generals, deputy council generals, trade commissioners, binational chambers. For more information, uh, you may call 954-357-6400. 954-357-6400 or visit us at FITCEXPO.com, F-I-T-C-E-X-P-O.com. We also have on October, Saturday, October 7th, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., the Broad Municipal Service District, the unincorporated area, Healthy Community Zone Wellness Jamboree at Reverend Samuel Delaval Memorial Park, located at 2520 Sistrunk Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale. 
This will be a day of free food, music, live fitness demonstration, healthy eating and cooking tips. Uh, there will be shuttle service available for the communities within the area. And I think uh, our uh, Alfonso Jefferson or deputy or assistant county administrator is challenging me to some fitness exercises on those equipment that we've placed uh, outdoors there uh, on that day. For more information, you may contact uh, Ms. Aretha Wimberly, 954-357-7794, 954-357-7794. Also on Saturday, October 8th, is OK, OKAY, Institute Back to School Success Summit 2016 at Lauderdale Lakes Cultural Center, located at 2850 West Oakland Park Boulevard. The summit takes place from 9.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. There will be uh, lots of good things going on at that event also. Thank you. Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I failed to recall this morning when we did a moment of silence, uh, a gentleman who lives in my district and I got to know through uh, many events for uh, veterans, and uh, his name was Edward, Edward Hammond, but he went by the name of Pearl Harbor Eddie. And uh, we lost uh, Pearl Harbor Eddie uh, last week, and his funeral will be this, this Friday, and I'll get details, but uh, he, was a, he was a neat guy. Um, this Saturday there will be a uh, there'll be a uh, a rally at the Emily Wilson Center in Pompano Beach uh, under the under the title of the Fix Broward stands against substance abuse. Um, this came from a, another event that was that happened in uh, at FAU just a couple of weeks ago that I participated in. Uh, two other things. One is uh, one I'm going to I don't typically whatever whatever you all up here can can come up with to say about me. I usually don't brag. Is that correct? Oh, you're asking right. me? You know, I'm never sorry. never I'm ask sorry. a leading question, especially to a politician. Oh. Um, the, this year, the Florida Shores and Beaches Preservation Association held its annual conference here in, in Broward County, and it was the 60th anniversary. Um, the reason I brought this piece of glass here to, to, to share with you all is because this was a group effort. This was going to Tallahassee. It was going to Washington. It was uh, begging, pleading, and sometimes putting someone's arm behind their back and twisting it a little bit in Tallahassee. Um, with the help of Representative Moritis, uh, we had about 23 or 22% of our beach project covered by Tallahassee. Uh, our friends in Washington are, are even more generous, but they're a little slower on, the, on, the pay, on, on paying their bills. But um, this is, this is uh, an, an appreciation for the work we did with Segment 2. Uh, Senator Latvala, who has been working on beaches since he got, into tel got to Tallahassee in the uh, either late 80s or early 90s, um, has been working on sim similar issues, and he received uh, a sim uh, award for, as a statesman for the 60th anniversary. Uh, my commitment is that we will continue to put the same effort forward uh, in Commissioner Fur and Commissioner uh, Ryan's districts, because that's next between the Sand Bypass and Segment 3. Final, final item is I, I wanted to just, uh, I know that Mr. Snezak is here or was here. Um, he's in the back. <laughs> Uh, I, I just want to go on record, if I could, sir, uh, that I know that you've, you've, uh, you've got an issue you're dealing with, a, a, um, an a leadership director position that you're working on, and I know that you take it very seriously, and I know that you, uh, from my conversations with you, that you're putting in the efforts to make sure that we continue to have one of the very best animal care uh, 
divisions from any place in, in, in the United States. Um, we have uh, we have a great opportunity um, through advert, you know through an unfortunate situation. We do have a great opportunity to find the very best from around the United States. And I just wanted to I wanted to encourage you that when you're doing that. And obviously, selling selling to them our brand new sixteen million dollar animal animal care facility with all the best amenities for for pets uh, to be adopted. That we make sure that the leader that we select has a a serious uh, resume and experience and no kill because that's that's what this board decided a number of years ago. And we're certainly on our on our way and we're very close. And I think this would uh, help seal the deal if we have. Uh, Somebody with that experience who's done it before. So I just I appreciate your service, and I just I want to make sure that you are aware of that. Thank you, Vice Mayor Fur. Thank you. While while uh, Chip just mentioned that, I'd like to second that. I think that's important that we do a probably do a national search and make sure that those <coughs> values that we put forth are 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 found in that candidate. Um, second, I also wanted to congratulate Commissioner Lamarck on that. As well, uh, I went to the to the event. Happy to support you on that. I also want to commend uh, Nicole Sharp. They yep. they uh, uh, recommended uh, or they awarded her because of all the work she had done uh, in her three years and all the uh, oh yeah she did a great job and she's doing a great job and I you know I think it, it bodes well for segment three. Um, I have a couple things real quick um, with regard to the events that happened yesterday when the, in Las Vegas when those <coughs> things happen it kind of creates an an aftershock mm -hmm. for for those places that it's happened to, for Lauderdale being one of them, yeah. and I and I actually heard from a couple of employees, who asked, when are we going to be trained, um, or, you know, an updated kind of training at both the airport and at the port, so I would I would like to know, you know I know I know we've gotten our recommendations back, and I think I'd like to know for myself and I think for the employees as well, when we're going to have an updated type of training so that if and ever that ever happened again they knew what they know what to do um, so if that if that could uh, if we could get that back and find out when that would be happening okay I'll get you a schedule on that but um, we um, we certainly have a training that that we're using and we've been pushing that out until such time as there's a well, revision I, on the national level because they've right. been talking about really changing the focus of what you do in that type of situation, and we wanted to try to be as as inclusive and in, in concert with that as we can. Yeah, and I think some things came out that we realize, even with the training that we're doing, we can probably make make some better uh, suggestions for people where to go and with people with wheelchairs and those kind of things. So, okay. um, second, uh, yesterday the the contract got 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 signed with Arcadis, which is the, the uh, garbage contract, which I'm glad. The, of all the things that we did with the hurricanes, that we, I think we, we did a great job on almost everything. That has been our kind of a weak link on the debris removal, and it's not, not on our part. But because there's not a coordination and there's not a comprehensive um, trash policy in this county, it has caused some kind of problems. One of the things, I'm just going to read this, there's three main things that has this contract supposed to do. One is supposed to, to reach, make sure we reach a 75% recycling goal. Um, uh, whether or not that we retain public ownership of the Alpha 250. But the third one talks about uh, the general solid waste disposal issues as determined by the working group, which may include options regarding flow control and potential governance or contractual structures for collaborative management of solid waste disposal. That is going to be key to making sure that we have this, this kind of preparation ahead of time. Uh, I know 
when I had, during the hurricane, I'd sent out some things, and I sent a picture of the, uh, the dump in Hollandale. And it said, only these cities can go. And I think, Commissioner Eugene, you'd ask me, why, you know, why can only those cities go? Well, there's a lot, you know, and, and I, I realize that, you know, not everybody has had a chance to see the entire agreement. But, you know, it doesn't make sense when you have a dump that is a Broward County dump that people can't bring all their stuff to. Uh, so we need to fi figure out how to, fix it, how to fix that. This is the first step in it, and I met, and I, uh, I assume this working group will be meeting with Arcadis very soon and get the get get rolling on it. And lastly, um, today is uh, if you live in Hollywood or Fort Lauderdale, you are probably seeing a little bit of experience of King Tide. I like what the county's doing. They are doing uh, they are ask, doing an all call for uh, citizen scientists and and actually have King Tide kits ready to go. Uh, so all of those that live in Hollywood or in or Fort Lauderdale or anywhere you're experiencing, what? It's in the kit booth. Was it allows you? I don't know what I don't know what's exactly in the kit. Uh, stuff to document the tides, document all those kind of things. So this is a good chance for to get a a, a lot of info on that. And I encourage anybody who is uh, has to deal with that to be a part of that. And that's all I've got. Thank you. Well, I just want to say before we move on that Commissioner Lamarca, you do a great job advocating for beaches, so much so that I saw a meme of you with uh, sand floating out of your ears. <laughs> so, yeah, so besides the award, you know, you've got some popularity out there on uh, Twitter and Instagram. All right, Commissioner Ryan. And when Commissioner Lamarca's walking around the beach, he's just kicking sand and uh, and making sure that our beaches look good. Uh, it was a, a pleasure to be in Washington, D.C. last week. Um, both Commissioner Lamarca and I went up. We were on two separate teams to avoid any kind of sunshine law violation. And uh, my team worked on uh, funding for Port Everglades, uh, specifically the deepening and widening of the, uh, the harbor. And uh, we're looking for additional funding from the Army Corps of Engineers and an increase in the number of small starts that are authorized uh, by Congress. Uh, we also were dealing with the climate resiliency issues, and uh, I was fortunate to be able to um, to meet with the White House Deputy Director for uh, Intergovernmental Affairs. Uh, and um, from his perspective, uh, he would like to see greater direct contact uh, between um, the various federal agencies uh, with with the state and regional and local governments. So um, that was encouraging. Hopefully there'll be a strong follow-up for that. With regard to the infrastructure funding, it appears that the White House is moving away from public-private partnerships, uh, and that may affect the, the cost sharing on, on some of these projects going forward. So it, it's a moving dynamic, and, and I appreciate the efforts that uh, Commissioner Lamarca had on courthouse funding and the other issues that he was working on. Thank you. Commissioner Rich. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, just a few quick things. Um, first, I, I do want to add my voice to the, uh, the national search idea for, the, for our um, uh, animal care facility. Um, I think I've been reading a lot of uh, wonderful things going on around the country with uh, people with uh, no-kill shelters and uh, moving towards uh, full Im implementation of that. So uh, I think that that would be a... a uh, you know, an excellent thing for us to be doing. I do, however, want to thank uh, uh, Stephanie, uh, who um, was in charge during the 
a hurricane and really, I think, did an excellent job uh, dealing with uh, issues related to animals during the, during the hurricane. We did, uh, I think, a good job, uh, probably still need to have more pet shelters during hurricanes. It was uh, kind of like uh, one, you know, one got filled, then we got to get the next one, we got to get the next one. Uh, probably could probably get a better grasp as a result of, of what happened this time about what the need is out there. Uh, but for what we had and everything, I think we did a, a, really, a really good job. Um, I want to um, I want to mention um, uh, you mentioned Royal Caribbean. I also want to mention the Panthers uh, because the Panthers were out there during the storm, uh, after the storming, and helping with senior residences, water, ice, doing everything that they could. And I think that they were really great corporate citizens, and I just want to recognize them. Uh, lastly, I want to mention uh, we we passed it because it was on consent number 16, which is uh, housing finance and community redevelopment. Uh, issue, which was, remember, we added $5 million as a start for a dedicated source of revenue for affordable workforce housing. And I want to say that I, I'm on this statewide work group, uh, affordable housing work group, representing the Florida Association of Counties. And I asked for a, um, actually an analysis at our first meeting, and it was given to me at our second meeting this past, last week. And um, it had to do with the uh, comparison of large counties, uh, uh, the percent of cost burden renters and then the number of units financed by the uh, Florida Housing Finance Corporation. And uh, it won't surprise you to know that we don't get our fair share uh, and that we are going, we're going to work very hard to make sure that we do begin to get our, our fair share. And what's going to help us are, are two things, One's, one advocating, but the second is having this funding available for the match so that if we end up getting two or three projects, deals, versus the one that we usually get, that we will have the money available to draw down and, and to provide that match. So I, I just think it's a really excellent thing that we did, uh, and uh, we'll just have to, you know, work with this. And I, I will say that I think that the, the whole affordable housing work, affordable housing um, uh, issue is going to be exacerbated by what's happened in the Keys. We haven't mentioned the Keys today are also devastated and are having an extreme crisis in affordable workforce housing. So, and many of those people will be coming here and then Puerto Rico. So, um, we, we just, um, we, we're going to have greater needs than we ever had before and I'm uh, just glad that we're beginning to step up to the plate, but we have to get uh, our state resources to match. And lastly, two people on the workforce, won't surprise you, the governor's appointee and a former colleague of mine who was a Senate president. Uh, who's uh, um, uh, retired is one of the uh, one of the people that's been appointed, and they are the only two people of all the presenters and all the people on the work group who don't think that full funding of affordable of uh, Sadowski uh -huh. trust fund needs to be a recommendation. And I, you won't surprise you to know that I indicated to them that it would be uh, a waste of this entire time that we're spending on this work group if the number one recommendation coming out of it is not full funding of the Sadowski Affordable Housing Trust Fund. That's my report. Thank you. Commissioner Udine? When you go last, everything's already been said, so <laughs> I had hours worth of stuff to talk about, but for everybody here and the hundreds of thousands of people that are watching us on cable at home, if you want updates on information from my district, www.michaeludine.com or at Commissioner Michael Udine on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thank you. Thank you for that selfless plug.
Um, <laughs> county administrator. It's unfortunate we have to uh, make this type of announcement, but um, there are a lot of people out there really looking for people to assist them in making repairs to their home. And as you can imagine, there are people out there that will take advantage of that. So we are urging um, all of our residents, if you're going to use someone to make repairs on your home, please know who that you're working with. Make sure they have an address. Make sure you can find them because a, a lot of these individuals are only taking cash and um, there, at times you may not even be able to find them after your cash is gone. So we're gonna, uh, again, we're doing our best to get the message out to make sure that if you're gonna use someone to assist you, that you know who you're working with. Also, I'd like to say kudos to purchasing. They were the uh, recipient, again, of the National Institute of Governmental Purchasing's um, Innovation Award. Um, again, working very hard, and we, and we thank them for that. And finally, we have um, a series, a parent uh, series, in our neighborhood um, in the BMSD, the neighborhood parks. And again, the topics are really about parenting and how we can, um, as a parent, help our children succeed in school. And, um, um, and we invite all of our residents to come out um, and partake in um, those sessions. And that's all I have. Thank you. County Attorney? I'm honored to be up here. Thank you very much. <laughs> County, Audit <laughs> County Auditor? Commissioner Geller? I just want to say that while we miss Joni, you look very good up there, Drew. <laughs> All right. Well, I have one last thing, and then we're going to adjourn this meeting, and that is that I will be attending the NACO 2017 Rural Action Caucus on Wednesday, October the 4th in Wise County, Texas, and then I'll also be assisting the Convention and Visitors Bureau with obtain, uh, we're, we're competing for the World Pride Conference 2021, and I'll be in Indianapolis on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday doing that. So hopefully we can bring that conference home as a huge economic impact for us. And thank you with that. This meeting's adjourned. <laughs>